and welcome to episode 430 of the Awesome Comics Podcast, the place where the small press makes one hell of a big noise. My name is Vince Hunt, and joining me as always is the creator of the comic series Vanguard, Dan Butcher. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Every every week he's got a different hello, and that one caught me this week. And I'm also joined by a man whose pull list is as large as the love he has for comics. But how much that... Fucking hell. (laughs) Slightly bigger than my bank account. Uh, yeah. it's tony esmond hello uh you need you need to up your hello game tony with the he'll never match it he'll never the match heat that sure. dan butcher's he'll never bringing. get that good <laughs> i started bringing that heat from episode one i'm carrying it on right till now stop <laughs> until the last if there ever is one that is it's like the perpetual motion of hello yes oh that that's quite a deep thing to say yeah tony. The clockwork, the perpetual, the perpetual motion of hello. There's an album title there somewhere, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> yes, close to the edge of the follow-up album to that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, we have a very <laughs> special episode for you this week. We do. We got oh. all excited, and we we recorded it about a week ago. <laughs> so uh, you are in for a treat, um, because as promised, as we spoke about on the end of the last episode, we talked to the indie comic legend Terry Moore. Um, he of Strangers in Paradise, Rachel Rising, Echo, a, a list of titles, his latest yep. book, Parker Girls. Um, but he, look, well, we will let you know. Um, we're still buzzing about it. It's a few days afterwards. Man, but, yeah, I've been singing the dude's praises for yeah, all fucking yeah. week. Yeah, and yeah I was chatting to the boys at the mark about it today, funny enough. Yeah, yeah. and it was a, a great chat. So we get, we're not going to mess about too much beforehand. And do you know who else doesn't mess about, guys? Comic House. Comic House. Our lovely sponsors, yeah. They don't mess well, they about. they mess about a bit. Well, the only mess about and they, they do is the fact that they chose us to sponsor. <laughs> yeah, that was messing of the highest yeah. order. Yeah, the absolute <laughs> fools. But thankfully, <laughs> they are an indie comic marketplace that loves indie comics as much as we do and as much as you do if you listen to this show. There's a huge selection of titles on the Comic House database. If you go onto the website and you self-publish... You can list your book on there, and it's another avenue to start selling your wares to the world. And if you have digital copies of your of your books, they have an an app with loads of stuff on it. It's only three pounds a month. It's basically on Netflix for comics. You get access to an enormous library of digital indie comics that's growing all the time. There's a fourteen day free trial as well, which is always good when it comes to mm. these sort of services. What sort of stuff is on there at the moment, Dan? Uh, we've got a couple of new titles. We've got uh, Blop and the Pigeon Pandemic Color Preview Issue Zero. That's a free 22-page sample on there. And we've got a new title called Sicko, Volume 1, Issue 1. And that's from publisher Dot 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 in the UK. There's a really long story synopsis on this, which I don't think... Uh, You're going to read. Up, really. uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you I'll just have to go on the I, website. And... Down. Yeah, go on. Yeah, Rigo. In this story of Alex Gray, a smart, suspicious loner has learned the only way to survive is not trust anyone. Alex has a lot to deal with, hunger, loneliness, an abusive home, and worst of all, high school. To make matters worse, she lives on now the infamous Montreal Island, which, since dysphoria, has become the most overcrowded ghetto on the whole North American continent. Diaspora? Carved... Diaspora. Di... D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A. Diaspora. Diaspora, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Carved... Oh, this is a good word. Carved into fiefdoms by crime lords and gangs. Nice. Nice. Abandoned by authorities, left to rot, savaged by poverty and violence, and ethicized by bioengineered drugs. This is Detroit, Kowloon, and Johannesburg all rolled into one. Should could have put Croydon right. in there as a shortend. Yeah, just say Croydon. Uh, no, no one could be that rough. Penge. So there's a whole lot more of that. So go check that out. Uh, that is that is only, that is only part of the synopsis. 
That's about half of it. Oh, wow. wow. Well, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about... I feel synops- drained after that. Synopses um, yeah. a bit later. But if you are... If- if you want to check out that book and so much more as well, go to um, comichouse.com and find out more about them today. And thank you to Pete and the Comic House gang for supporting Cheers, the Pete. show, as always. Cheers, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you saying it louder like he can hear... Because like, I was he... leaning back in my chair and I thought you couldn't hear me. Uh, yeah. right. I've got a oh. swivel chair in my office now. It's nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> Look at you. That's like a, the dog whistle to Pete. He's is that is that for your like? esports? Is that why you've got like Yeah, a... it's all like yeah, for when I'm when I'm streaming on esports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're not gonna take that any further. Because um <laughs> we're not just gonna mess about this week. We're gonna get straight into the No, interview. no messing about. No messing about. And uh, you can find out on the uh, the other side. Well how excited we were about what we spoke about. It's made about. me very happy. Indeed. And well, what made us happy? Well, this chat we had with the one and only Terry Moore. Okay then, folks. We are hugely excited to be joined by a very special guest this week. An indie comics veteran who you know from such books as Echo, Rachel Rising, Serial, Motor Girl, as well as a little series some of you may have read called Strangers in Paradise. His new book, Parker Girls, has just wrapped up and we've talked about it recently on the show. So what better time to talk to the one and only Terry Moore. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Great to be Terry. Very yeah. excited. Um, Hi, I'm, I was reading Strangers in Paradise in the issues. Yeah. Massive fan wow. of it. Yeah, great yeah. series, man. Yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a while back. So you're really, really old. Yeah, pretty old. <laughs> you were doing it when you were a child, obviously. But uh... <laughs> That was I mean, a while back. That was back in the Seinfeld era. It was, not it? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think um, we were talking just on WhatsApp and between us. And Tony, didn't you mention that um, Strangers came out? Was it around the death of Superman? It was. Yeah. I think it was the same year, wasn't it, as the death of Superman? Which is a is a strange sort of convergence of yeah. things happening really in comics, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. kind of kismet. Yeah. yeah, that was a bad year in comics, man. Boy, that was weird. A weird was, year, I, wasn't I it? Yeah. That. Boy, people were upset. Yeah. <laughs> not not that you know he died, but that like how it was handled and all that. Oh my God, what's yeah. happening? Yeah. Yeah, and that that was kind of the the boom and bust day, wasn't it? You know, when everything started declining you know we'd had the boom hadn't we and then the death of superman and the fact they didn't sell in the same way that we expected to but i mean at the same time you were coming up with your indie book which kind yes. of worked i yeah. guess you know yeah I li- you know which is kind of like um mainstream was like stuff that goes on downtown and i was out in the in a bad district of, on the edge of town so it, it, the death of superman really had nothing to do with me but uh or what i was living you know my world but you know you're surrounded by it every time you walk into the shop or a con, mm. and that's mm. that's the only thing anybody talked about that year. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, comics yeah. has changed like so much, and certainly independent and like small press and self-published comics have changed so much since those days. Um, and it may be because we do a show like focusing on it, but it seems like there's been a real boom period of like uh, self-publishing, especially with like crowdfunding and stuff like that. So and like yours was always one of the books strangers in paradise in those heady wizard magazine days if we can remember those um strangers was all was always one of the ones you'd see alongside cerebus and uh you know all of the all of the classic sort of indie ones but there was only like six or seven titles you really kind of knew of especially out of the u.s 
Yeah, over okay. here that get that made it over here definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So, so um, you know, you've obviously we're going we we are going to we already warned him that we're going to mine him for information about how everything's changed. But first, <laughs> let's start with your latest book. Never mind the past. Let's talk about Par- Parker Girls because that's um we've had so much fun sort of reading that, and it's just you've got there's a hardcover um I believe in a collection that you've been doing. Yeah, there is and um. I can see him looking around for it's, it. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. The second trade paperback is just about to come out. Oh, cool. Um, called Deadlight. And then following right on its heels, I mean, as, I mean, like within a week or two, comes the hardcover collection Omnibus. Mm. So we didn't space it out a lot. Um, we just wanted them out onto the market. So Fair enough. What was the thinking, people... what's the thinking for that, though? Like, you know, not to space it out? Um, because um, mm. usually... In the book industry, there's so much prep time needed to line all the ducks up in a row mm. that you get one thing out in January, then you talk about the next thing all year and get it out in November. It's not that way in comics. Um, okay. I can put something out within two weeks after I finish it in comics. So we we work on a faster program here because um, I want you to have the book as soon as possible. Mm. There's no There's no benefit to me to wait. A month and a half because uh, between a trade and an omnibus, because people are going to buy the trade just to complete their trade collection. And then the people waiting on the omnibus are a whole different group. And a lot of times they overlap. There's a big overlap on those two circles. So there's really no competition between the trade and the and the omnibus. It's not a choice people make. Mm. Um, they're usually always committed to one or the other anyway. So um, I usually spaced them out. But on this particular title, I was putting them out as soon as I got them done. I guess wow. that's the beauty with uh, self-publishing yeah. as well. You yeah, just, and, and that's yeah. the benefit of self-publishing. I don't have I don't have to talk a hundred people into it. Hmm. I just have to talk my wife into it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And I'll never I'll never forget reading uh, an article on Stephen King, and he said, "Gosh, I wish I could just write a a chapter and put it out." Uh, the day I finish the chapter and then just keep putting the chapters out. And then at the end, collect the book and put the book out. And okay. I thought, geez, that's our life. Yeah. Um, he ended up doing that sort of online early days of online. Um, so it, I don't know if it worked out for him, but that is mo- the self-publishing model. And how, sort of pulp that? model as well yeah. in a way, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So how is that, um, you know, the, the, the publishing model and everything has changed so much. Um, is it what it was it been like for you? I mean, the ability to be able to release Parker Girls, I don't know, a couple of weeks after you finish the actual pages, is just a dream for a lot of people. Is it easier to do that, or is it harder work to sort of keep to those sort of schedules? How how has that how that been? Um, well, actually, talking about the schedule, it's it's a man killer, uh, person mm. killer, human killer. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the schedule is you just draw nonstop. Uh, right. Because what I what I needed to do was, <clears throat> you know, when I got into comics, I was already thirty something, and um, I needed. I wasn't. I, I wasn't looking for a side thing. I wanted to quit my day job as a TV editor, and I wanted to do this. And I was already making a, a living that supported me, my wife, and and two young kids. So I needed comics to do that. Uh, I wanted to swap careers. Mm-hmm. 
And the way I found out the only way I could do it is to get on that, have a new comic uh, listed every month in the Diamond catalog. So I had to put out a comic as if I was had, had a team making comics and you get one out every month, every four weeks. So the first two years, I put it out every, uh, well, actually the first year, I think I started bi-monthly like Cerebus. And then I thought I need, no, if I go every six weeks, I'll get two extra ones a year. Instead of six, I'll get eight a year comics. And um, that I need that income. So for 30 years after that, I put out a comic every six weeks. Man, that's awesome. That is how you go batshit crazy. That's why people who put out these long run self-published books, that's why they're, they're batshit crazy is because they, <laughs> yeah. live, they live right there at the drawing table. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, because we've, we've been watching your YouTube channel as well, which is is gold. But there's yeah. always because I'm guessing is it your good lady wife who films the interviews, isn't it? You know, and you do seem fixed to that chair there. Yeah. Sorry, I got it yeah. yeah. I, I I literally can't stand up. The chair has grabbed it to my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Get off me! <laughs> That's the sacrifices these kids. They need yeah. to know the facts. Yeah. So you got to have a chair sewn to you. Yeah, when you made yeah, the jump, yeah. Terry, did you did you build up any kind of buffer before you kind of made the transition from like the full time job to the comics? You were just like, right, I'm quitting. Now it's comics. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to be careful because now you got these two little kids depending on you. So I did both for 18 months. Uh, I worked a day job and then came home and drew all of the miniseries and the first like six issues of the regular series uh, at night, like after nine o'clock from like nine to two oh, and man. I did that for a year and a half, just double timing it, you know, uh, yeah. until I, until there was a time where um, I was ready to self, uh, put out like issue eight of strangers in paradise. And you have uh, at that time, maybe the whole order was going to be like $10,000. And after you pay for printing and everything, then, you know, you make your $5,000 or whatever, cut it in half and that's your income for the month. Um, so save a book sitting on the diamond pier, uh, diamond dock, shipping dock, ready to go out. That's a $10,000 item that we need to get out to the stores. And I was sitting in an editing session with my TVJ job and a TV editor at that time the client pays $300 an hour to have you sit there in the chair and do your random access editing on your Avid. So I was doing that. And then I got a call, a message that Diamond said, we cannot ship your book out this week unless you call us back and answer this question. And I've got a client right here who's very type A going, okay, cut here, cut here, cut there, cut here. And I'm the only thing I'm thinking about is my comic and $10,000. <laughs> and if I don't get this book out today, I have to wait another month for that income. My God. And that was the day I knew I could quit my day job when yeah. it was $10,000 versus $300. Yeah. And the book was more important now. I just had to keep going until the book was way more important yeah. than the day job. Mm. And that was the day I could I knew I could do it. And I put in my two-week notice and never looked back. What was that awesome. like in terms of like following, though? Because obviously Strangers yeah, has quite a cult following. And, and your work, you, you have a following over these years that's just built and built and built. But there's also, you know, having that moment of the monetary, but also the book catching a certain fire, isn't there? Because there are many books that go out there and they 
they don't do anything. Um, Strangers, yeah. thankfully, wasn't one of those. Was that a concern that you had this sort of labour of love that you put out there, and what if there wasn't anyone who was going to read it? I had been through that uh, already hmm. because I, prior to comic books, I spent most of my life wishing I could be a comic strip artist. You know, just do right. comic strips. Yeah. And that was just one rejection after another. And looking back in hindsight now, with the benefit of, you know, being able to look back, um, I can see that I loved the comic strip artists so much. I loved them, you know, Watterson, Schultz, whoever, um, all the way down to now the oatmeal or, you know, mm. uh, I I loved them so much that I couldn't stop emulating them. Right. So I did not have anything original to say. I didn't mm. look original. I didn't talk original. I didn't have anything to offer. And it's kind of like, now that I look back at it, I realize it was like being, it was, you know, Elvis was cool. Uh, Elvis imitators are not. Yep. Mm, yeah. Right? Right. yeah. Jimmy yeah. Page is cool. A Jimmy Page imitator is not. Mm. He's so, only a covers band here. Yeah. 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 And, and well, and again, the cover band thing. I was a musician in my youth, and uh, we were always in cover bands, and they have no future. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we already have the real thing. You're going nowhere. So when I got to, I had all these lessons and life lessons in my head. And when I got to comics, I thought, um, you know, I like those guys that are making those comic books, but I don't idolize them, and um, I I want to do my own thing. I want to basically draw a TV show in a comic book, you know, and it's, you can tell I came from TV because every, usually my framing is medium close-ups and talking. Okay. Mm. And then there's usually an establishing shot, but then I don't, yeah. I don't care anymore about what's in the background. I just focus on the characters, you know, and my, my backgrounds get simpler and simpler as we get deeper and deeper into a scene. That's all by design. And um, so, yeah, I took the less, the rejections and the lessons I learned before I ever got to comic books. And when I got to comics, I thought, this is my last chance. This is the last thing I know how to do. You know, I tried music, I tried editing. <clears throat> comics is my last shot. So I gave it everything. It was all or nothing. Was there anyone a... you went to who who had done it before you, you know, the likes of Dave Sim maybe or something like that? Did you go to anyone and say, how do you manage this? How do you manage that? Yeah, I was definitely talking to Dave and to oh, cool. Jeff Smith. Nice. Uh, in in yeah. early years, and Jeff and I are still pals. And uh, but they showed me. They they said, "Okay, here's how the diamond thing works. Here's what you need to do." And um, I got introduced to my diamond people. And once you get those guys, you don't want to burn them. So I, you know, you have to. If you say you're going to give them something in April, you got to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's your deadline. And uh, it, it was just one after another. After that, then you just put your head down and just do your thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I've heard you say in interviews that uh, Peanuts and Shorts was a massive, um, you know, inspiration for you. Were there any other artists you looked to, you know, you emulate, you wanted to emulate, or were influences? I suppose. Yeah, you know, it's strange um, because I'm a cartoonist. I, I think write. I think about writing and drawing all in the same thought, um, and it's hard for me to separate the two. And my biggest takeaway from Schultz wasn't necessarily his clean art style, but the fact that he, he created a place that he'd rather be every day than here. Mm -hmm. And when we read it, we got a little moment of that. 
their neighborhood was so much cooler than the neighborhood I grew up in, you know. And so when you're reading the strip, that you get that, you get about 10 seconds of escapism. Mm. You get to go back to that quaint little street with the house you liked and the trees and the, mm. and the blue sky. Familiar you can have that yeah. moment. Again. And that's what he did, basically. And um, especially as I got older and started knowing people that knew Schultz, and I knew that his life was not perfect. Um, so the drawing board was, was his TARDIS. It was his way out. And that's how you get through, you know, all those years of like, you know, people go through. Um, that's what I learned. And so when I finally got to come to make my comic book story, it was no longer about like, oh, look at my clever cartooning or um, I'm going to do my version of, you know, uh, mutant kids trying to find their way in the world. Mm. I'm going to have to stick to just what I do that makes me want to makes a happier place for me to be. Yeah. And a happier place for me mm. to be is in a romance movie where it, but because I'm a guy, I don't want them to sit on the couch all day and just talk it out about their feelings. I also <laughs> love Bond. So if you put, you know, um, Enid Blyton stories with Ian Fleming stories, you get Strangers in Paradise. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. one of those things we've said is like try to espouse to an audience, don't try and tell the story that you're going to tell this individual individualistic to you. You know what I mean? You're the only person who can tell that story. And obviously you're reinforcing that with the, uh, what you're saying there. Is and that, that's so, good advice? Yes, it is good advice because imagine, uh, Dan, if you and I were walking out of Starbucks and we saw um, a complicated crash happen in the street. Mm. Well, I have one version of what I saw and you have another version. So you can write about the same topic, but your version may read totally different than mine. Mm. Yeah. You know, you may do it from that character. I may do it from the other character. And, uh, and those crashes look different depending on where you were standing. Mm. So I think relationships are like that. You know, your best friend is going through a divorce and depends on who you're closer to as to how you see that, uh, yeah. that, you know, and that's where your angle is as a writer. You're trying to find like, what would people in general find interesting about this scene? Mm. Why would anybody care? So like in Parker girls, for instance, um, we open up with, uh, a, a guy walking on a beach and such a, such a good scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's walking on a beach just exactly like we would. And I, I can't remember if he has a beer in his hand, but he's probably been... Yeah, know, I think he, he has a bottle and then he throws it into the sea. Yeah. to sit out, which yeah. kind of is, tells me where his state of mind yeah. is. You know, this yeah. guy's better. And then he runs across the pretty lady in the lounge chair. And surprise, surprise, she's talking to him. I mean, pretty ladies don't talk to you on the beach. That doesn't <laughs> happen in real life. But this happens <laughs> and it's weird. And he's a little befuddled by it. And it stops him in his tracks and he... And she kind of hits on him and says, you know, meet me for drinks tonight. He says, okay, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. And But he's, something's off on him. And he walks on, she's watching him, and she follows him. And within two pages, um, there's somebody else following him, a beach bum that's going to do harm. And she takes him out. She takes the beach bum out. That shock, I tell you what. Fingers that... in the eyes. Fingers in the eyes in that one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, no you, you pull that guy down by his nostrils. That's and all right. That. Yeah. And then, oh, um, Oh man, and I thought I've never seen that in a movie. Yeah, that, that, that it, it went, it went to a moment. 
Yeah, I, I want to. I want to write scenes that I've never seen before. Yeah, in a great. TV show, you know. I think the and, thing is as well, Terry, is you get into these, you get into these people's heads writing them, but you let us have access to them, but not in a sort of monologuing, you know, mm. in a monologue kind of way. We we kind of sense what that bloke's about as he's walking along the beach and he gets hit on by the pretty girl. You know, we also reversely are in the head of the pretty girl because we know she's playing him. Yeah, it's great. I love it, man. It's great. And that's the point. That's the point. You don't need the monologue. The monologue was for the writer or or for the actor on a stage play. Gives them something to do. But I can show you in their actions. Like we could all be at a lunch table and we're watching a couple over there at the other table. We can't hear anything they're saying, but we can tell what the vibe is by watching them. If, If he's proposing or they're having a divorce fight. Yeah. Something is going, or they're fighting over money. We can tell, or if he's flirting with, or looking around too much, you know, we can read that just like, you know. So for you, because your comics are very, um, and very much the characterization of the people is brilliant. As Tony says, we, we, you get to know the people and it's all yeah. about behavior as well as character, which I think some, some comics they miss out on that they're so obsessed with how cool my character is that they're not thinking about how they're acting or, or the certain things that are ha- happening. The humanity but, of it. Yeah. 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 But so what do you do? Cause they always say like, you know, to, to write or to create, you have to experience life. You have to see that sort of behavior, you know, go out, you know, what, what are your inspirations? Like, you know, you go to a coffee shop and you're noticing the way that people are interacting. What's the, what's the good forms that you sort of pick up? Cause yeah. obviously you're quite busy as well. So there's only a certain Yeah. And your time. wife doesn't let you out of the house. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I'll be, I'll be brutally honest. Okay. And this is something the three of you do not know. Um, when I lost my hair, I became invisible in public. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow, but you're you're coming what up on I Zoom. Mean? Fine. I, I... Yeah. This is are we is this a literal I... thing? I think this is a literal thing. And uh, yeah, this yeah. is this is I... why you're writing Parker Girls. <laughs> All right, either that or I just lost my mind. I'm invisible. Nobody. Can yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but I kind of became socially invisible, and at that point you can stand in line or be at the table next to somebody and you're a non-entity and they're free to talk and, and do what they want to do. And they, they're, you're no longer a factor when they walk in the room or you walk in the room. And because that, when I was, you know, in my teens and I had long hair and I was playing in bands, it was always, you know, like, Oh, I'm cool. And I'm looking for the next cool person in the room and mm. you're busy just doing that. But, you know, when I hit my 30s and I'm starting to lose my hair and all that, it was a totally different thing. I Nobody looks at you when you walk in. And um, it just kind of gives you the ability to to watch the room, to watch the people, you know. You become more of an observer than a participant in what is going on in the room around you. Mm-hmm. And it had a tremendous influence on my ability to... Um, I began to disconnect from them. And so if I go into a Starbucks, um, I don't feel a bond with anybody in there. I'm just watching them. There's that person, that type of person, that person over there having that kind of conversation. And I've taken all that kind of stuff in. Mm. And then it's in my head when I go back to the drawing board and, and I need to write a Starbucks scene. Um, 
you can see some people walk into Starbucks and are, I keep saying this. I don't work for them. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Other coffee shops are available. Coffee shop. I mean, yeah. maybe yeah. I'm getting 10 cents a word. Out <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> if somebody's playing a drink. Let's play a drinking game with him. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, you can see some people walk into the place and own the room. They're mm. full of themselves. And then they talk loud and they, get what they want, they command the people, they're cheerful, they laugh, they're whatever, they're the whole show, they do their bit, and then they leave. They have no idea who was in the room or who was sitting in the no. corner, or if that lady over there in the corner looks like she really needs a hug. You know, they didn't, they missed all that. They were busy being them. Mm. But I'm, I'm in the opposite mode, you know, where I walk in and, and I can see, I see the people in the room now. But I think that's important for any writer. I mean, how... Yeah. I yes. think that's when you find writers observational. Tender. Yeah, yeah. You learn more about people by letting them talk. By, yeah, and let them have their moment. You know. Yeah, of course. Unless you're sitting in a coffee shop and one of us or a comic fan walks in, then they know Terry Moore's in the corner. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So they don't matter whether you got hair or not. Net. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> you, you say that we. Uh, you took a selfie while you was in away, t- Tony. And yeah. Steve Laffler was walking. No, it was um, Tony Fleece. Tony Fleece. Tony Fleece. Well. Yeah. So who's yeah. that dude staring at? It turned out to be Tony Fleece. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was in a coffee shop. That was in Starbucks. Yeah. yeah. Hey. There you go. Yeah. There, there, there's there's a, a, there is an, anonymity to comics, isn't there? Unless, yeah, there is. Yeah. Unless you're well, in the still bubble. There used to be more, didn't there? Yeah. 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 For yeah. instance. Oh, yeah. You, you walk out of the convention center and you can't catch a cab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is why I never, I was amazed when I got into, started going to conventions and meeting, and there were these uh, Marvel stars and all that, and some of them had egos, and I thought, why do you have an ego? You draw a yeah. comic. Yeah. What's, what's your ego about? You're not a rock star. I've seen a rock star. You're not yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You draw yeah. Superman. You're not a rock star. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know where the egos come from. Somebody somewhere will go, well, I, I thought machines drew them now, you know, when there's someone <laughs> oh, will say that to them, and they're suddenly not. They're suddenly not a rock star, are they? Yeah. 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 No, no. My mum will ask them or something, you know. Yeah. I did I did go to a block party and um it, you know, in a house on the street that I live on and um and I'm talking to a guy who has a day job and I don't relate to those guys, you know, the guys <laughs> like stockbroker type guy. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um and they'll yeah, I always, you know, I d I, I don't know. And so he says, Well, so Terry, what do you do? And I said, Well, I draw comics. He said, Oh really? And you can make a living at that. I said, well, I live next to you. (laughs) (laughs) But you weren't in Wizard Magazine. Yeah. 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 One of the things I've heard you say before, Terry, I think I read it in an interview, that you you described your strengths as follows. Women, expressions, beautiful, funny comics. That was how you summed up. That's not a misquote. Is it something um, Uh, you said? It's... Uh, I do shoot for that. It sounds cocky that I said it so affirmatively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do shoot for that. Yes, that I would love that description on my work. Right, cool. Yes. But because you are, I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of comics about women now. But when you were doing it, there wasn't many. Was no way. And yeah. um, and you're and you've concentrated through your career having m- nearly always female characters as the protagonist, antagonist, mm. don't you? You know. Yeah. Um, well, why so? Just out of curiosity. Um. You know, it's it is a little strange because I really am a, uh, you know, it's weird. Uh, I the, if I try to trace it back, I mean, I referred to Enid Blyton before, 
When I was uh, 10 and 11, I lived overseas in uh, Tanzania. You lived in the UK at some point as well, did you? Huh? You lived in the UK at some point as well, didn't you? Well, no, I've been there a lot, and we went through the UK and all that. Yeah. But I went to a British school in Tanzania, and, uh, you know, so for a year, I was, all my friends were from the UK, and and all the books and all the lessons and everything. Well, that's where I I, uh, discovered Enid Blyton, and I started reading all of her YA books from the World War II era. And there was one that was about a girls boarding school where you could start at sixth form and go all the way to 12th form. And it was about five core group girls and they each had a distinctly different personality. So they actually bought those books from my sister a year younger than me, but I was 11 and I read everything in the house and I read all uh, six forms years of uh, Mallory Towers. And there was the cocky girl and the girl, the down-to-earth girl and then the creative girl and all that. So that introduced me to that kind of ensemble. And then the same year, my dad uh, was going through all of the Ian Fleming books. So I read all the James Bond books in the same year. And if you basically, I think to this day, if you put Mallory Towers with James Bond, you get my work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I really am... I really am more interested in women because I just because I'm in love, you know, it's, they're beautiful uh, and incredible. It makes me happy to be on the planet. And it makes you happy to draw them. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, And it makes me very happy to draw. But, and when I draw them, I feel like I'm trying to do like Renaissance artists. Like I'm trying to capture that, that beauty and pass it on so that, if you missed that moment where they were in that in that particular position or pose or had that expression, I can capture it on paper and now, you know, people will see it from now on. Uh, but again, I I just couldn't stand to write a story where we spent 28 pages talking about our feelings. So <laughs> I had to throw a bunch of stuff in there, you know. So that's how I get my weird mix. And what the way I started Stranger in Paradise was I wanted to write about a love triangle. But um, typecast it, but then have everybody pass their scripts one after to the right, so that okay, the alpha right. person becomes female, and the girl next door is a guy, and oh, then right. third wheel is Francine. You know, so yeah, yeah, gotcha. and it yeah. and it's and it was something I learned from Mike Nichols, the Broadway director, which was like when you do acting classes, um, you have all those different body people types there and you could either typecast the scene or for an acting experiment let the 12 year old girl play the dad let the teenage boy play the mother and let the guy who would play the yard man play you know something totally miscast it and then they're saying the normal things but it's coming out the you avoid the cliche i guess as well yeah yeah yeah. and suddenly you listen because it's you're not used to it mm. coming from that character. And that was my twist with Stranger's Paradise. It was Kachu fighting like a guy for this girl that she loved, you know. And, um, and lo and behold, it turns out that half the world is actually fighting for the girl they love, male mm. or female. And uh, it just broadened my reach to mm. who would read the story. That's fascinating, man. Yeah. yeah Look, everyone can key into that idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's it's very easy to kind of when men have stories of uh, revenge and one-upmanship, 
you can have the, the flip side of that, which is equally as kind of uh, yeah, pass it to the little brother, pass it to the you know, these are the yeah, just shifting it one step to the left or right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and I actually did a revenge. I took a I did a revenge story called Serial. Yeah, where I have this messed up twelve year old who's a serial killer. <laughs> And somebody kills the, her best one of her friends, and she spends the entire series hunting that serial killer down. Mm. That's awesome. I've not so, read that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah that's great. And it's it, interesting because obviously we've got Strangers in Paradise and what we said there, maybe you know James Bond with the romance and mix of everything, as well as. But you've done other books since then, and uh, one of the things that we love about your work is and is is you you're doing different things even though like you're clearly in love with your characters and some mm. characters turn up in other books or they have spin-offs or you know um but it's always accessible for instance you know i didn't have such a history with strangers in paradise so when i came into parker girls it was almost a blank slate for me yeah. um and i was in it immediately because i think you said to me can i is, is it easy to answer yeah straight away yeah. you know it's, it's, you yeah. don't need that background do you, you know? right yeah. yeah um but also you you love like you met mixing genres you know there's been some sci-fi there's been sort of horror what actually sort of inspires you you know once you finished for instance strangers once that finally sort of finished which is quite a long form and you you kind of didn't just you chose not to do something so long yet but what inspired the next what inspires the next story yeah especially at the moment where you're doing those quicker stories aren't you you're doing mm. like a tennis shoe story moving on to another almost like another genre sometimes aren't you, you yeah know? um well from strangers i knew i wanted to do something totally different mm. for myself and for the readers mm. i couldn't just move the same story to a different town and, and new faces yeah yeah um so what i did i i love science science fiction but I grew up, um, I'm old enough to remember um, uh, when in being in third grade, second grade, and having to do bomb drills, you know, yeah, like right. we're under nuclear attack, go get under your desk and all that. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in kind of like nuclear aware. Mm. Um, and I wanted to do a story about, you know, that. What I remember as a little kid was that the reason they stopped nuclear testing was that when they got to the hydrogen bombs and, and uh, they set up the czar bomb, it's, I, I don't know if you guys were there, but <laughs> the world was scared shitless because yeah. they realized, the, oh my God, that, that could have easily gotten out of hand and it didn't even do the whole payload they had planned. And they were suddenly afraid of setting, igniting the atmosphere. And um, that's when they all backed off and said, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Everybody meet in Geneva like tomorrow. Um, so I wanted to do a story about that, where mm. they build a bomb that they should never set off. And what they're doing is they're micro-testing it in a collider that nobody knows about uh, underneath the huge game reserve in Alaska. And if these, there's a scientist who knows was that if they actually run that test in the collider, we're done. Um, so I really wanted, I, I mean, I'm fascinated, but I would love to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. But there is, that movie doesn't exist. So I made this, I made the comic. So um, that, that got me through that. So I did that for about a year and a half. What was the response to that, to, to, to change genre? And, you know, because you had built up 
a, a sort of legion of fans by that time. Oh, it was and a risk. Yeah, strangers is cold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a risk. It was like yeah. switching music genres. Yeah. I mean, you kind of don't do that, right? Yeah. Um, you have to be careful. But I just, I thought if I do anything similar to SIP again, mm. I'm done for. Mm. I'm a one trick pony. Mm. You can't carry, yeah, you can't do the same. Can't do Strangers in Paradise the next generation. Awesome. Right. <laughs> no. So, but, and, and I had these senseis that I could look to, like uh, Gaiman and Alan Moore, that were easily surfing across yeah. genres and themes. Well, if you're um, the, you've obviously shown that you're a skilled storyteller and artist, you can, those making those kind of jumps, I think people are more interested to see your unique take on it. And I, I think that plays out. I mean, comic fans follow creators as much as they follow yeah. characters, don't they? That's the good thing about yeah. our hobby. You know, we'll follow Alan Davis to Kill Raven. We'll follow him into the X-Men. But, mm. you know, we'll we'll follow him because we're fans of his art. As well as yeah. being, you yeah. know, fans of You do of the also characters. get the ones that like, why aren't we having more of the thing that we like yeah. in our diets? Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, it can be controversial, mm. can't it? You can, you can. Well, it depends on what the thing they like is. If yeah. the mm. thing they like is your the way you portray people, character. Yeah. Mm. moments then you're going to be okay yeah if they really were just attached to the bat suit you're screwed yeah <laughs> you're in trouble you yeah. gotta have the bat suit yeah. everywhere yeah so and clearly that that sort of experience sort of gave you confidence to go on and try further things such as like rachel rising and serial you know which is di- dipping into even darker material uh well and that's just because i love horror movies you know from day yeah. one all the way up you know i i grew up with uh, i we go just, ask the question what's your favorite horror movie if i had to pull one out of the hat real fast yeah yeah oh, like oh, now. Like, not not of all time <laughs> but just a favorite horror it's on movie. the top of your head in the moment yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm gonna surprise you i'm gonna say dracula dead and loving it yes now we're talking um, you know, we I've, I've seen them. I feel like I've seen them all. But I, if that one played right now on TV, I'd stop and watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so funny and it's so sexy, and I just love it. So. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, even my son uh, loves them, and he starts uh, two months before Halloween and starts watching uh, three nights a week. He watches a horror movie, and he goes from the uh, silent films. And then to the end of the twenties and the end of the thirties. Oh wow! Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I wouldn't mind trying one of those watch lists of like you know they put it's... them out where you watch a film every day. He should post it. I mean, it would give you a good guide to do. Yeah, that. send oh, it yeah. over. I'd happily watch that. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> thinking of obviously stuff I haven't seen before. Yeah, and that's so that's one of those guys that you can <clears> talk about. You know, anything from. I'm know, guessing you like movie. sort of atmospheric and character sort of based horror because. You know, Rachel Rising, there's a lot. A bit of giallo, going. maybe, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's uh, really what was important there. First off, uh, just I think in any horror movie, is a sense of place. Mm-hmm. Um, you need First off, you need a sense of place so that you feel like you belong there. And, and you feel like, okay, one of these characters is my avatar. So now I live in Manson, this little town called Manson. And isn't it sweet? And oh my gosh, that girl there is cute and she keeps showing up. I really like her. I like to get to know her. And then somebody gets cut in half or whatever. And then you, now you care a little bit, you know, so you got to get somebody to care. The more you know, the more you care. 
So I think good horror movies start off with a character that you can relate to and you're kind of pulling for. And if, if just by any little small twist of fate, that, that could have been you. That could be yeah. you driving yeah. Christine or whatever, you know. Um, so, yeah, that, that's all about a sense of place. I think it'd be hard to write a horror story. I wrote one when I was a teenager and it just started with blood and guts and then moved on to blood and guts and then ended on blood and guts. And yeah. you, you, got, you, you got to love them before you can hurt them or put them in. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. If, they're, if they're drones, I don't care how many drones yeah. you you know, but don't kill that little old lady on the that yeah. has that really cute dog yeah. that's feeding the orphans. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever felt bad about something you've done to one of your characters? Not not regretted, but is there been one thing that you think you played oh, on your mind? Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, because I watched DC kill Supergirl, and I watched Marvel kill Gwen Stacy. And so I know where that freaking brown boundary is. <laughs> and I'm not at all bitter about it. <laughs> I can let it go. But Don't kill a blonde. Huge, That's what Terry says. <laughs> huge. Yeah. I am. The day I read uh, Spider Man 121 and Gwen Stacy dies, um, spoilers, by the way. Um, <laughs> I was sitting in my car uh, having a Coke and a candy bar for lunch. I was a delivery boy and I bought that and, and read it in the car. And I was so mad. I threw the comic out the window and I did not read another comic for like 10 years. Wow. Oh. Wow. Yeah. And that's when I came back and started indie comics. It was not never my goal to come back and work for Marvel or DC. It was yeah. like, oh, I want to do my comic strips. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's a, there's a massive amount of fans that thank you but the, you know if that if that's where it led to what we got then we're yeah. glad we threw you threw yeah. that comic out the, out the window i but really what, think spider-man 121 is why i'm in indie comics although we wow. did we were sharing images from your thor story and loving it man from strange tales that's fucking you know, great yeah hey, you know what um i did something in the thor story and in a star wars story and i learned it from harlan ellison huh. um if you get a job writing on somebody else's playground uh leave something there that they have that becomes a part of the canon yeah so don't write some totally transient thing that comes and goes so what i did with uh thor story was i wrote a story about um how he got his strap at one point the hammer never had a strap and he kept losing it and (laughs) they told me to do a cartoon thing so i did a cartoon thing and i thought okay well that's cartoony um, and then I did a different one, a Star Wars story back when there still was one Bible. Um, that's no longer the case, but <laughs> and I thought, great, I can add to the Bible. But you can't touch anything that, that you know, that has been done. The only way I could go was I went to Queen Amidala and I did her summer romance that she had to give up her chance for a private life and love life in order to become queen because her, her nation needed her. So I I did that summer romance of her at 16 before she became queen. Right. And that became a part of the canon that I knew would stay there, you know. Real. That's awesome. Someday, yeah. someday they will may go back and shoot and part of that in a TV series or something like that. And they're going to have to have a conversation about that comic. Yeah. And that's interesting because, like, obviously we've talked many times about, like, when creators deal with publishers and there's the whole thing about you create a character for a publisher and the publisher owns it, and you don't. So the pub, you know, this character goes on to films and toys and stuff. It's discussed almost every week in some form or other, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. especially this week, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. 
but it's a hot topic right now over here. Any just man, yeah. Willingham, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bermond, you did a fables, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did a fables. I uh, one and a half fables. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, and Vince. I, the fables yeah. I did, I asked him. I, he said, "They said, is there anything you don't want to draw?" And I said, "I really hate drawing buildings." So he drew a story about a wrote a story about a town that's covered in ivy and the hall, the buildings are covered in ivy and everything. And it's just oh man, God, thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> I had to draw all that. I had to draw all that little village. <clears throat> well, I think you've got something in common with Mark Buckingham because I think that's part of the reason a lot of it moved onto that farm at one point. Because he says, "I'm sick of drawing New York. Can we just go on a farm?" This is why part of the in the farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have more than once. I've thought about doing a desert island story. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah good idea yeah, yeah. <laughs> what have you learned in terms of uh process um like obviously working on your comics and your writing and your drawing what does your day look like do you um or do you spend like a week working on a script and then the rest of it doing you know do you juggle at all i used to write scripts uh like in final draft it was a 30 page script it looked like a 30 minute tv show script um and then what would happen is several times I would sit down and draw, and when I start drawing the first page, I suddenly get a better idea, and it changes the entire story. And the script, three days of script writing is out the window. Mm. So I stopped writing scripts in, in uh, for myself, and what I did was I would make an outline. And if there was going to be a complicated conversation, I would write that out so that I could figure out the complication of it, especially if I needed the conversation to be loaded with uh clues and innuendos or things like that um but uh, you know thank goodness i've spent my whole life drawing with words with comments and dialogue so it's very natural for me to cartoon it uh to sit down with just an outline two-page outline and just dive into that scene on the beach and i and the minute i start drawing it I'm just watching this slow motion TV show and I'm just freeze framing it. Okay. There's the next panel. There's the next panel. And it's just in my head. Like I can just see it. And I don't know if I, maybe it's not fair to say TV show. Maybe I'm just there on the beach mm. and yeah. visible once again, like in Starbucks and I'm just watching this happen and they don't notice me. You know. So it's you've got like, that ability to capture an expression in your mind and transfer it to paper. You're not using, reference you're not looking up for someone's looking stern you know and you're looking up in the computer no. you'll see all those different versions now you, you've got it already in your head yeah um you kind of work that toolkit up just by doing all yeah. those drawings your whole life okay yeah. but um when it's time to draw the stuff particular stuff you i've wasted time looking for reference i could never find hmm. um so now if i need reference it's for like a weird bird or a car but not for a person's face or, or a pose or whatever. That's what all the sketching was for. Um, right. And as far as learning the expressions, I really figured that out in TV editing because what would happen is I was a, there's two types of TV editors. There's the people that do all the visual effects, like the car commercials or the people who just do the cutting, which is the dialogue, like as if you were doing a story. Yeah. And I was a cutter. I was a storyteller. And so I was looking at every take by all the actors and um, you can go frame by frame by frame and watch their face go all over the place. And then you cut in right at the moment that you need to cut in to capture that expression and all that. Yeah. So, you know, doing that for 13 years just showed me how flexible the face is and 
Um, one of the things I feel like it gave me an advantage on is if you only, if all you've done is draw and you may have, you may get to a point where if you just learn one great way to draw a face and you keep drawing that over and over and it's hard for you to stretch it and malform it, especially if you drawing a pretty face, you don't want to mess it up. But in real life, if you watch uh, a great actress uh, performance and row the row the video frame by frame, her face is all over the place. It's yeah. it's like it's made out of you know stretchy dough. Um, so that really gave me that lesson and to free to be more free and um, not be locked in and just be mm-hmm. super careful with not changing character on the drawing. You know, that that's that's paralyzing. Is that something yeah. you put into like because obviously you got the how to books like you know and your, your tutorial books and things like that? Is that something that you sort of reinforce in people who are like looking to learn from your style? Um, I definitely have, I've definitely pointed that out in the how to draw book. Mm. Uh, and once in a while, I'll see somebody who'll show me their drawings at a con. You know, what do you think? They're asking for an opinion, and I'll notice that <laughs> they're drawing that one face over and over. without change and then i'll i'll encourage them you know like what what would it look like if we punched him in the stomach that face is going to change you know Mm. can you draw that you know yeah yeah because that'd be a that was that's the kind of moment you want to see in the book or yeah 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 Yeah, because we've we've talked about facial acting in in oh it's one of our favorite subjects yeah it really is and it It communicates so much in a comic without speaking you know Mm. really Uh, does I'll tell you the most stunning thing I've ever seen. Uh, American Pie, that movie from a long time yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alison Hannigan was in it, and she was the cutest thing in it. And everybody, that's kind of launched her, I think. But there's a scene, famous scene, where she's talking about what she learned and what they did at band camp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Alison was... Her face was so lively in that scene that what I did, we had it on like this high def. Uh, I was at work at the at the TV editing. We had it on a high def something, and I rolled her. It's it's a close up take on her while she's talking, doing that delivery, and I rolled it frame by frame and watched her face, and it was just all over the place when she was delivering her punchline, and then when you play it back normal. It just looks lively and frisky. Yeah. And there there's a light in her eyes. And I mean, she's it was just a great moment. And that's why the line is so funny. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> when you roll it frame by frame, it's like breaking it down by the, the mm-hmm. elements, physical elements of it, you know, and it's like being a scientist, like, oh, you know. And I, I, I learned so much. I would already just started Strangers in Paradise at about that time, I think. And um Man, I learned so much from that one epiphany moment. Like, yeah, because when you're a comic, now, book, when you're a comic book artist, you, it's almost like you're doing that and going, "That's the frame. That's yeah. the frame yeah. I'm going." That's draw. the shortcut to it. That's the single mm-hmm. image I need. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you'll see me and other people. The, you draw the face, you erase it. You draw the expression again, you erase it. You draw it again, you erase it, and you're it's just not there yet. And you yeah. keep trying to get, and you get your eyebrows higher and that mouth more crooked, and you're that certain squint in the eye and it means everything to the to the moment to to, to make it just that right moment mm. you know yeah so incredible. You, i mean you spoke a little bit there about um sort of drawing it and erasing it and drawing it and erasing it and we've got to focus a little bit on this you are 
pen and ink, aren't you? You don't do digital? Am I correct in that? Right, I'm pen and ink. I do paper. Yeah. <clears throat> Just I, completely I always. Trees. I kill trees. Hey, <laughs> tree killer. Terry Moore, tree killer. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> but no, um... never, never been tempted, Terry, never been tempted to move to digital war. Oh, yeah, I've got, I've had a Wacom for 10 years and, um, you know, I, but I tend to, um, I only, I don't, I don't know. I just, do you use really it to work out having... things and then move it to the drawing board instead of? Well, I just, because I saw the, I saw the birth of the JPEG. Right. You know, I, I'm a, I was alive for that. So I don't, to me, I think what's on screen is it's great that we're sharing it with the world and that's its mission. But at the end of the day, what do you have? A JPEG? And have you ever tried to resell a JPEG? You, you take <laughs> yeah. a JPEG collection. Yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah. I, have a, I have JPEG pictures of every moment in history and uh, I want to sell it on eBay and nobody's going to buy it. So, But if I make that 11 by 17 Bristol piece of paper and it's got you know my art on it, I can sell that at a convention, you know, as and pretend like it's art, and, um, and somebody <laughs> goes and hangs it's, it up. It's a, it's a completely different kettle of fish seeing that original yeah. art. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it's sometimes you know, sometimes when I hear an artist who goes to digital, I almost feel like someone's died because I think, well, I'm never going to be able to buy that page. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, it's like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, I feel the same way. Um, I think there are digital artists out there that I admire so much, and they're. And I can't imagine them doing it on paper. Like uh, there's a, a lady in the Netherlands with a huge online following called Lois VB. And her Instagram handle is L-O-I-S-H, Loish. Okay. She's in the Netherlands. She is absolutely, you know, of all those like animator, post-animation, yeah, um, yeah. post-Disney, she's the best in the world. Okay. Uh, wow. Bar none. And um, so I, you know, and that's all digital she can draw i mean you can give her a, she has pictures where she took a ballpoint pen and just did the same thing but um yeah it's, it's stunning sometimes it's a test any, isn't it if you uh, see some of these digital artists at a convention if they can sit down with a sketch pad and do exactly the same so thing the, the good artists relish getting paper in their hands again don't they when they're doing commissions you know you hear them saying oh it's so good to be back on paper you know don't feel oh. the you know it's not like a production line then is it you know like um, are there any artists you sort of look to? I know your Frank Cho's done some work for you, isn't he? And I, and I, I kind of see you as almost the two sides of a coin. You and Frank Cho, in a way, you both you both can do the beautiful women. You know, you both can draw. You're both on pen and paper. Any other artists that you look to or you enjoy? Um. Oh yeah. I'm. I. I, I just go nuts over the good ones. Right. Um, let's see. I, I, this week I was thinking about Bernie Wrightson a lot. Oh, yeah. And I drew a Frankenstein uh, Elvira sketch. Uh, nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I looked at Bernie's Frankenstein uh, images just to get so I could rip off the rafters and the back, the tube, test tubes and all that. Mm. Um, but people like Bernie and Charles Vess and. Um, I was always, uh, I keep finding new people, not just the old school, but the new people that I see posting online. Um, you know, the world keeps making great artists. Mm. Yeah. That's one good thing about reproduction is we get artists out of it. 
never thought about it like that. <laughs> that that's the great think, is I that the only think, good thing? I often think <laughs> about reproduction, but I actually was uh, I'll think of another reason in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> there must be something else. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but in terms of like the original art and stuff, I need to ask this because sometimes we do a drink and draw or we have a great sort of online Slack community and stuff. And nothing gets people more jazzed than talking about stationery. Now, yeah, <laughs> or pen specifically talk. pen, <laughs> pen talk. Um, what, um, what would you recommend? What are your tools? Yeah, yeah. what are your tools? Oh, Come on! Oh, I can see this. he's quite. See, he loves it. As soon as you get artists talking yeah. about pens, they're like, yes. Okay, um, you're not gonna believe this, but. Um, when I was probably in my second year of uh, uh, comic book drawing, I realized that a wooden pencil and sharpening it constantly was not the best tool for me. No. And I wanted to switch to a 0.5 mechanical pencil that had a, a good feeding eraser. And But I needed, I didn't want an architect's thing that always has that pointy end that stabs your pocket. Yeah. I needed tractable. So I went through a bunch of those and I, and I finally found a $16 pencil. Okay, we'll back it up. Um, our first trip to Paris, um, we I couldn't wait to go to uh, Sennelier's, the art store, art supply store that's uh, across the river from the Louvre because it's been there forever and that's where the Impressionists went and bought their stuff. Okay. So I went into Sennelier's and then the down, it's very, it's just like a row house. And the bottom floor was all uh, pastels and handmade pastels, handmade oils, handmade everything. And then you go upstairs and that's all the pens and pencils. And I found up there, I found a Faber-Castell pencil. Um, Great pencil. I was about to say, are we about to see the original pencil? But I don't think that. (laughs) No, no, no. Ooh la la. See if you can see this on radio. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a Faber-Castell $16 pencil. And I used it to draw every comic sense. Wow. It's nice. never Quite broken thick as well, isn't it? Quite a thick barrel to it as well. No, I'm yeah. just very little. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just fits my hand and it just does the ergonomics are perfect. And because it's Faber because it's Faber Castell, it just never broke. And right. I took it on the road, I drew all the books with it. And around about five, six, seven years ago, I started getting nervous about, you know, if I lose this, this is my number one. Mm. Uh, so I had to go find a number two. And they do, they do not sell this pencil in America. Okay. In America, the Faber-Castell pencil has a metal sleeve right there. Well, that's, uh, okay. that's straight from Satan right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not going to work. It has to be this, you know. Huh? Yeah. So I found a stationery store uh, in in London, Massey's or something like that, and uh, they had them, and I bought like four of them. And so now when I go out on the road, I take a number two, but I don't take the number one. The number one stays here, and when I'm not drawing with it, I just put it on top of the Strangers in Paradise uh, box set. And, and it's glass case. Lit <laughs> up. Who says yeah. artists on? Yeah. yeah, and you push a button and the choir sings. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what um what lead do you use for it? Oh, God, I'm getting really nerdy now. But are we talking okay, that's HB? totally geeky. All right. Yeah. Uh, I have a geeky answer. I use uh, an HB lead. And, okay. Uh, but I have a different pencil that I use with a 2B lead 
when I want to draw sketches. And HB1 is not a good one for sketching because when you're finished, it looks like you did it all with a silver pencil. Hmm. You know, it's all the same silver medium tone. And the sketching, con sketches look better if they're darker and dynamic. So I switched to a 2B or something like that uh, and, a, and a 4B now. But yeah, but for comic drawing, because of all the erasing, you know, draw, erase, draw, erase. I've erased 10 times more comics than I'm drawn. Uh, so I <laughs> that. and that's saying a bit because you have uh, published quite, quite a few, a few. Quite yes. a few yes. uh, comics um, there's, there's, I, you know um, you know that place in the dreaming uh, the library of all the books that were never written uh, there's a room across the hall all the comics that Terry erased <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is what's coming up in the future then yeah. Um, obviously, Parker Girls, the omnibus, um, is on its way, and yeah. uh, the second trade. But you know, you got a sketchbook coming as well, Terry. Have you? I know you do oh, some regular sketchbooks. Let me show you this. Um, well, you can't see this in Radio Land, but it's oh uh, wow, oh cool. So this is the oh, Kickstarter yeah. book, isn't it? This yeah. is the Kickstarter book. I'm, I'm. It, when when television is invented, you kids out there can watch see this on the screen someday. But, <laughs> but it's a book with pictures, and it's all my sexy oh, drawings. Nice over the years. Um, oh, oh look, Lady, Death. Lady Death, Lady Death, Lady Death. Death. One of the classic uh, independent '90s characters. One of our favorites. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not something I'm known for, but I drew it um, anyway. So that's what it is. That's lovely, man. Um, fantastic. What's, the, what's the name of that book for the listeners? It's called After Dark, Terry Moore After Dark. Yeah, and you've got three covers, haven't you, which are sort of variations of the... Okay, yeah. I have them right here. I'm going to show them to you then. Okay. <laughs> brought it up. Okay, so it has... It comes in three versions, a soft cover, hard cover, and then a special hard cover. Um, and the soft cover starts off with Kachu uh, sitting on uh, a chair sitting down to for the evening to read her favorite magazines. Her favorite magazine is Francine Monthly. So she's got <laughs> champagne and yeah. bonbons. And then an hour later, she gets to the centerfold in the magazine, uh, Francine Monthly, with Francine's posing with a cute dog. Um, things are getting a little less controlled on the chair there. Yeah. Uh, things are heating up. And then an hour after that, uh, it's, ha- you know, there's, there's been a moment moment we missed there. I'm yeah, going to say we yeah. missed a, we missed a specific moment between the two books. <laughs> that moment we were discussing <laughs> yeah. earlier in the show. <laughs> yeah. You pick out. There, yeah, the worst the fourth book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, believe it or not, that was my wife's idea. Oh wow! Okay. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. Yeah. That's what, a winner. Yeah. yeah. What was the crowdfunding Kickstarter sort of um, sort of adventure like for you? Guys? I had never gone near it uh, because I was too busy trying to keep my book on mm. Diamond Deadline. But we're getting to the point where we had to do something and um, because it's just sitting right there. Mm, yeah. Um, and finally, we went to a convention somewhere. I don't know where it was. And um, a bunch of our friends kind of, they said, let's all do a panel together. So we all got on a panel with like Brian uh, and Francesca uh, Polito and Billy, uh, Debbie Tucci and uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor and then Robin. Oh, nice. And we got on the panel, the panel got started, and they said, okay, surprise, this is an intervention. We're here to convince Robin and Terry to do a Kickstarter. (laughs) (laughs) 
And so there was really funny, and they brought out. There's some big characters on that panel as well, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they know yeah. those those three right there. Those three couples uh, know a thing or two about Kickstarter. So they yeah. took us to school, guided us through it, and then we got uh, a really nice man named Pat Shand, who I hooked up with yeah. off of um, Twitter. I'm not going to call up the other name. And uh, <laughs> let's not. Yeah. Uh, and then Pat guided us through it in the in the day to day mechanics after our friends talked us into it and said, come on, this, this will work and we'll we'll boost it. So with everybody's help, I mean, it took a it took a village and uh, we said, we'll just do an art book and try it. And that's yeah. what we did. And it was it was a success for us. I mean, it was fulfillment is hard work and we've got yeah. them all now. And actually right on the table right now is uh i've got everything done and the last thing i was going to do was send you know a thank you note to each of those guys that had us into it also this is the one i just did for brian polito before you and i got on the on the phones that's lovely what i do yeah Yeah. that's lovely and and what about from a a story point of view what's the next series you're planning um can you say yeah the thing that the theme that keeps coming up here is space um i'm really interested in a couple of aspects of it um i really like the idea do you know what steve jobs last words were no steve jobs of apple when he was laying on his deathbed his sister said that his i think it was his sister who said this in his very last breath, he was saying, oh, wow, wow. And when I read that, I thought, geez, what <laughs> if, what if, you know, and this, the possibilities are endless. And there's a guy who never talked about metaphysical anything in his whole life. But when it, when the time came to jump, to cross over wherever, whatever, or cease to exist or something, instead of ceasing to exist like Monty Python, he was saying, oh, wow. So I'm hoping that, you know, there was something there. That's a jump. I want to write a story. (laughs) I want to write a story about that hope. Yeah. Uh, And not something, you know, we would find people, any, nothing we would have ever had a war about in our history, but something new, some new angle, because I also follow a lot of scientists on YouTube and I watch their videos and they talk about the ever present um, UFO things that yeah. are just constantly being cited both here in America and in uh, funny enough, uh, really over the, um, uh, over that canal uh, down in the uh, Middle East. What the, canal? With those. So yeah. 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 And the thing is, is that all these reports from military pilots who are down to earth people um, are all about how they come and go. And the scientists are saying, you know, it's possible that it's a flatland thing, you know, where uh, they poke in and look around and then they they're just going like that. They don't have to go around fat flatland to do it. You just pierce that dimension, look in and then you pop out. These kind of things fascinate me. Um having read Flatland at an early age and then all of us basically living our lives just only believing in what we can see 
but you there's just all of science fiction is the basic theme of all of science fiction is there's something more there's got to be something more the idea of Terry Moore taking on some the afterlife huge afterlife <laughs> science fiction Stanley Kubrick 2001 existential sort of epic is fascinating to me and and not do it you know with not have it all set in a Chicago suburb but actually get out in nature uh, where you might actually see something mm. yeah you know you go go kick the wall you know I mean uh, yeah, it's picture a wall. You know, somebody should write an album about that and go kick that wall. <laughs> oh dear! Well, well, certainly, whatever you've got coming up, please let us know. About yeah, it, we're yeah, man, we're just, man, we're we're on board. Next yeah, one, yeah, Can't wait. and certainly, yeah. um, as this comes out, the next few days um, leading into October, you're going to be quite busy anyway because there's Terry Moore live. I mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Which is, um, what is that? Is that sort of like you're going to be streaming? Or it's on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, I see here. Um, what does that entail? It's, you know, I have those other, I have those social media accounts. Like it's Terry Moore Art on these other, all these, everywhere you go. So it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And what we do on the, on the weekend is I do live streaming. So I'll live stream from each one of those places um once or twice uh, for the weekend and also during the weekend um i've been working really hard to get a bunch of sketches together and we sell sketches and robin pulls our best art and puts it up for sale and i think during the sale like that the enticement is uh free shipping so this nice. is the chance for people to grab something like that and not have to pay you know the shipping is is really stupid bad now but I've been doing a lot of like um, I'm looking at my sketchbook over there, the new sketches. I have 24 sketches ready to post. I've been kind of posting some of them on Twitter. So if you go to the account, you can scroll through awesome. and see them. Nice one. Awesome. Real. But it's nice to do the live stream because it feels like we interact with people and I can yeah. see the comments yeah. on the side. I mean, I'm I'm all about that. I'm I love watching your YouTube videos. There's one you did which was you sort of filmed your life through your shelving about the books that you'd done. And I sat there thinking, right, I haven't got that one. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, yeah. I've, got them, I've got them all in order on two shelves. Mm. And I look at that and that's, that's my life right there. That's my yeah. adult life right there. And then below it is a third shelf of just all the miscellany, the, all the other yeah. stuff, um, which I, I'm glad I did as well. But Yeah, um, me too, man. Yeah, yeah. Two shelves of content for people to get hold of. I mean, seriously, yeah. folks, listening oh. to this, if you haven't experienced a Terry Moore book, I mean, there's many different ones. That. Yeah, some, there's... some of them you can read them, enjoy them, and then if a burglar breaks in, you can kill them with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of them come with a, a handle and wheels. And <laughs> you could build a house on them, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I feel like we have only just scraped the tip of oh, the iceberg. Totally. We could yeah. talk yeah. so That's much more, uh, Terry, about your work and your the books, all the different books and everything else. So we're just going to have to have you back on in the future. Yeah, uh, if you game, you're cursed now, yeah. Terry. And, uh, anything you got, man, let us know. We're pimp here. We love your yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. we we have had the best chat about Parker Girls this week. We've been re each reading it as we go along. Yeah, loving it. Yeah. Man. So yeah. good. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, I'm so glad to hear that. 
um, you know, you make this stuff, put it out there and you don't know, yeah. it's like sending yeah. your kids yeah. to school. You hope everybody yeah. likes, yeah. likes them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, before um, I ask you for where can people find you, where did you get the name Cherry Hammer? Because it's absolutely that amazing. Brilliant. Love I that. love that yeah. name. <laughs> that sounds like an Ian Fleming name, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, maybe a sort of post-punk girl band. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's it used to be like an old school uh, Ian Fleming innuendo. Like if men had a mistress in their phone, their little paper phone book they would write a little code name like jerry yeah. Hammer or betsy feel good you know <laughs> it was just one of those kind of names you know and um but now yeah i mean you, that would be that could easily be a pseudonym for uh debbie harry who knows yeah mm-hmm. you've yeah. also got yeah. that sort of you know there's something sweet and something violent there's that mixture the of those two in, yeah, in the name. Yeah. perfect yeah. description yeah yeah but yeah. cherry hammer by the way is not one to be messed with i mean yeah yeah, she's taller than us, and she scares me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give it a go, Terry. If you do know her, you know, quite happy to die that yeah. way. And you yeah. are on your own, Tony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And she may I, be. I'll tell you what. I I can get you in the room, and then after that, you're not heavy glass. I've <laughs> led a happy life, Terry. I'm fine. If that's how I'm going to go, it's a good way to go. Your last yeah. words will definitely be, "Oh wow, oh wow." Yeah, yeah. There we go. Let's get on oh dear. Uh, where can people um, find your work and find out more about what you do? I hope that the paper books are in your local comic shop, and if they're not, you can ask for them um, online. I'm Terry Moore Art, and it's the website, the and all the social stuff. Blue Sky, Twitter. YouTube. The YouTube channel we refer to has over 200 videos of how to draw and, you know, what to do. Great Great channel, yeah. As well as a sort of update on what you're doing. You know, you always say what you're doing. We always started off with Robin giving a weekly update and then um, Mm. hand off to the drawing board. So, yeah. And where where can we see you in, you know, what you're doing at what conventions you got next? Um, The next one up is. I am going to New York, I guess. The, I have a yep. show in Houston, then I'm going to New York, and I think that finishes out the year. And um, I was telling the guys before the show that I was booked to come to the Lakes District. We'd um, like you to come back. We'll be putting COVID. a word in for you. Yeah. And COVID messed yeah. it up, and I'm hoping to get an invite back. John Freeman, you're listening. We know you're yeah, listening. Yeah, invite yeah. him. And yeah. If, yeah, yeah. If Terry Moore ends up on the on the late guest list, we're totally taking credit for it. We'll just say yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. If I do, we should do a live uh, stream from there. Oh, be great! Oh, that'd be awesome. That would be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. That would be. But this has been yeah, awesome. during during lunch with food in our mouth. Oh, oh yeah, and, oh, and that's booze. The challenge. Uh, yeah. And booze. <laughs> Alcohol, yeah. food, yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, this has been awesome, Terry. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. Thank you, yeah. brilliant. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Dan. How good was that? We are still absolutely buzzing from that chat. And thank you. That was great, wasn't it, mate? Yeah. What, what yeah. I do. That's two weeks running. We've had guests on who have just, I like, you know, loved for years, loved their work, and they turned out to be fucking spot on. Yeah. You know, Laffler and now him. It's been a nice run of that, man. I've yeah. got to say, yeah. I was absolutely charmed by Terry Moore. Yeah. <laughs> Me that. too. Me yeah. too, man. Yeah. Absolutely. And the funny is, I've taken some screenshots of him just laughing at us, which is yeah. just the best thing ever. There's one That's where fair. Dan's clearly said something, and you've got your head in your hands, Vince. I sent it earlier, didn't I? <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on? 
Dan <laughs> throwing his usual sort of yeah. anger at Aiden, and Terry Moore can't stop laughing at it. It was great. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. But um, thank you to Terry <laughs> for joining us, and we hope you in, you enjoyed that chat. It was th- there's there's always a, a time like we love getting like the you know name creators like that on. Um, but Terry Moore and you know we didn't say it too much beforehand but in my mind he's a legend of the small yeah, press and indie publishing self-publishing yeah, yeah. Same, self-publishing. As, same as Laffler actually they've, they've both done it their own way which yeah. I like yeah. Yeah. yeah and I know there's been dabbling um, I think Strangers got published through Image at one point didn't it I think there was, there was moments yeah. like that the sort of co-publishing thing yeah and yeah. doing some stuff with some some of the bigger publishers but what he's doing now you know he's just keep, he just keeps making comics and he keeps making them because he loves making them and telling the stories he wants to tell um, and we only briefly touched, but I mean, I had a list of questions, and yeah, there's we loads didn't, of books we didn't touch on. Yeah, we didn't yeah. we didn't no. touch on a lot of the books, and you know, we didn't say too much about the YouTube channel. But we definitely yeah. think you definitely need to check that out, like with because even yeah. if you just want to watch him draw a page or draw a commission, um, it's brilliant. It's a cool and, little thing to have on while you're working. I think stuff. Yeah, like yeah that. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so that's great great stuff and if if it doesn't inspire you to go and discover more of his back catalogue which you can and yeah. even though they the characters are they do cross pollinate into other titles um they're still as parker girls is a brilliant example of easily accessible just readable aren't they yeah. they're just yeah. readable just good comics and uh that whole thing of him handing the script to the left is really oh, I've, yeah i like I've, that i've read yeah. similar stuff like when like making a, a character like you've got a librarian you don't make it the old lady you make it like the young man and it kind of like throws people yeah. off but that's a fantastic way of thinking about it yeah yeah because it and instantly I, makes them interesting like, yeah what's this person's story yeah yeah and uh, that's uh, you know playing with the preconceptions that we have mm. of characters and like you're, you're playing against stereotype because you're playing into stereotype but the stereotype yeah. is just 90 degrees in the other direction that kind of thing it's mm. um yeah some fascinating insights there and uh also a bit oh, of he, a... he surprised me with mallory towers i've got to tell you yeah, yeah i was gonna say listening to the the, the never had anything podcast oh, yeah. this morning that came and up it, again as well mentioned yeah it's crazy hmm. the yeah, coincidences yeah. yeah 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 boarding school adventures yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not the yeah. biscuit game for a chain no. No. Oh, God. No. don't google that um <laughs> But you may want to Google or certainly find out about the links of some of the shout-outs that we have this week. Mm. Uh, what shout-outs have we got, gents? I've got a few. So, like Dan says, big thanks to everyone who sent us the lovely messages about the episode I did with Eamon about Ronald Searle. Like, it's been a week of just joyous research. You know, it's, I've had Terry Moore books to read, Ronald Searle to research, Steve Laffer interviews to listen to. It's just been one of those comic weeks, guys. I just uh, You get it sometimes, don't you, where everything's yeah. just making you smile. Um, the proofs have landed now for di- speaking of Eamon he was sent me some photographs the proofs have landed for DUI 3 um, they look amazing really good I was down to you two guys as well because you, you helped very much with the production um, and Ashcroft's cover dear lord yeah. how good is that yeah. I'm really, looking forward to seeing it really, really pops I've got to tell you yeah um, keep a watch out we'll be announcing it as well keep a watch out on duicomic.bigcartel.com for the digital and physical sales of issue three when they're available you can go on there and buy some copies of um one and two i think one's only available digitally i think there might be a couple of issues of two available 
Um, good luck this weekend to everyone attending the lakes. So that's this weekend. Um, <clears throat> if you happen on Sunday to be at the Satanist Flea Market in Islington, then come and say hi to me and Falpy. We'll be there. Dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite um, spicy last time, if I recall. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, yep. So that should be amusing. Next, last time we were next to a lady who made collars for people, like dog collars. Uh, she was quite nice, actually, quite funny. Um, news from the Blop, which I know you mentioned in the start of the show, Dan. Alex Hayne is kickstarting Blop and the Pigeon Pandemic from Tuesday, which is, if you're listening to this late, it's the 26th of September, 23. It's an 88-page full-colour comic continuing the adventures of Blop, the green alien, the green Martian, um, who is always getting into trouble. So have a look for that. It's going to be well worth it. They're funny, his books. I like his stuff. Yeah. Um, and also, big shout-out. I went to the Mart today. had a cracker at the Mart. Um, big shout-out to um, Pete, Pete Dory, Rich Sheaf, Simon Russell, and Alan Harvey, who I finally got to meet, who hey. I caught buying a load of 1968 DC comics. And was, hey. uh, was a, a night. So since people come over, like Rich introduced me to him, so, uh, so I said, "Oh, friend of the show, Alan Harvey." So that's nice, isn't it? So immediately yes, we're, off yeah. we're off and running, taking the piss out of each other. And that's good. It was, <laughs> it was a, it's a cracking, cracking mark today. So that's a good one. There you go. Yeah, my ones. Damn, what have you got? I've got now. That's what I call turning tricks pinup special. Twenty-four yeah, pages yeah. of not safe work pinups, posters, and sequential art featuring the girls of the. That's what I call turning tricks. That's got another seven days to go. And if you hear this when this episode goes live. We've got uh, Miranda and the Golden Horns, which is already finished. So I'll skip over that. You backed that, and you, Dan, is that the one you backed? I, yeah, I backed that one. And yeah, we've yeah. got Masters, Volume One: Survive, Win, Unleash the Monster Within. Uh, that's got that's another, book, isn't it? Yeah, that's got another month to go. So, all oh, right, okay. Well, they do a month and a half on that then. Must have done, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's another book I've backed that looks great, and I'm not sure if it's going to bloody make the target, but. As we record this, only got 46 hours to go, and that's the Relentless Adventure Fun Superhero Crossover, a one-shot crossover between two Kickstart sensations, the Relentless Lock and Bullet Adventures. Bullet Adventures done by uh, Randy Stone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Randy. Friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, so that looks fantastic, but it's about 500 quid shy of the goal. We've got 46 hours, so oh, right. might be a bit of a squeak, that one, but I reckon you could get it over the line. Uh, I've just closed down that window, so that's fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> you could this, if you get this filibuster for a second while I, I get yeah. that so tell no, your hair, look, hair looks nice today my hair is on point at the moment I'd mm. say yeah I'm finding that running every morning gives it that extra bounce Vincent really what do you use shampoo and conditioner uh, no I never condition my hair I know, and I always let it air dry. The thing is, I have to say, I've been noticing your hair recently, mm. and you're what would easily be referred to as Mad Professor phase, and I think it suits you. Uh, there was, when we were speaking to Terry, <laughs> your hair my, went mental. my hair was <laughs> mental. <laughs> I don't know what, <laughs> the only day of the week, nay, month, it's done that, and I look like an, <laughs> I look like an absolute insanity case. You look like you're in the band Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> no, I didn't. There was no bit in the front. Fucking... Uh, you know, I uh, tweeted we was going to announce the winner to the uh, Viz quiz this week. Oh, yeah. I lied. We're going <laughs> to do, do it for another week. So the question yes. for the, the Viz is, in Billy the Fish, what are Fulchester FC's scientist strikers' qualifications? You're going to uh, DM us or send it on the Slack or send it to one of the hosts via social media app your favorite social media app whatever that may be and you'll receive a copy of the barber's poll 
which is the Viz 2024 <laughs> <laughs> annual. Yes. So, so in Billy the Fish, what are Fulchester FC scientist strikers qualifications? Yes. Easy to find. You can find this yeah. online. Can't yeah. You? yeah. Get, get yeah. in touch with us. Get your answer in. We'll we'll pull the winner out of our hat and we'll get in touch with the Viz guys and uh, we'll do yeah. it live on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And it they did be... say they was going to put a little sketch in it, didn't they? So you'd yeah. be lucky. Yeah. Yeah. They did. It will be um, the first show of October. Um, yep. Our next episode, which is going to be a bit of a spooky horror month, it's going to start us off, isn't it? We've got yeah. a, like, a special guest yeah. straight from Hollywood. Yeah, there might yeah. there may be much talk of monsters, mayhem, horror, and of course we'll finish the month off with the ha- Halloween special, as we always do, the horror special. But we've got a lot to talk about. Let's just get all the horror out of it. I mean, let, let's face it, the world is a horror show, but. <laughs> I but we've got really. a lot. We've got a lot of. Uh, I did um, it in Starbucks to toilet about. today. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, but let's speak- all, let's ask every guest what their favourite horror comic is yeah. that comes on. Yeah. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. And we will put the. I tell you what, we'll put a shout out to you, lovely listeners, as well. Yeah. Um, let us yeah, know, and, and we'll be announcing. We'll we'll call them out on the show throughout the episodes in October. As we look forward to Halloween, another thing that um, you definitely need to check out, I think, and this is something that Butcher highlighted to us: uh, Humble Bundle at the moment. Oh yeah, um, Humble Humble Bundles. Um, I'm sure there's many out there who have taken. I don't look at this enough, actually. I need to no, look at it more. Yeah, Humble yeah. Bundle. You find some absolute gems on there. Or sometimes, I've I think there was an Image Comics uh, Volume One humble yeah. bundle i've got years ago that you know missed out you know some of those books you miss out on well, you get the moment, a lot of 2008 stuff on there isn't it? Yeah, yeah yeah um well at the moment humble bundle is has an eerie comics collection um but it's did, the dark horse collection it's yeah. not the original run so yeah. it's the newer versions of it i think that's yeah. right isn't it yeah 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 um but it is i mean uk wise um you pay at least about 15 pounds and you get 30 books <laughs> that's pretty fucking good yes so um lots of stuff lots you can pay what you want of course you, you can pay more and like um but it's definitely one i think i'm gonna look into i never read much of eerie you know I the original the, the dark horse isn't as good as the original i think that's fair to say nothing mm. probably ever will be but there's some good stuff in there there's you know okay. some tim tim seeley's and these sort of guys they're all in there yeah 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 did they ever yeah. do a tales of the unexpected comic uh, there is no. the unexpected, I think. Okay. Um, I don't know if anyone in the UK did a tells you. It's more of a UK thing, really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it seems like a kind of an easy thing to kind of do because at, yeah. at the time, comics were relatively big in the UK. When that I occasionally watch it. I, I stay in a hotel sort of once a week, and you know you got these limited channels. Yeah. I'll occasionally watch a tells the unexpected or an Alfred Hitchcock presents in my yeah. room. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, so he's watching you, the porn. You, yeah. <laughs> when you talk about like the Dark Horse eerie stuff Tony was that just collection or was that new stuff or what was that new stuff yeah new um, stuff how much because uh, looking at this there's a the eerie archive from Dark Horse which collects oh over, it's the archives yeah oh, okay collecting over 130 issues of the long running horror comics magazine featuring terrifying tales and astonishing artwork from Legends oh, of the Oh, fuck Fr- that. Get that. Don't Gr- don't worry about it being the... I mean, they did do new stuff, which isn't yeah. as good, yeah. but if it's the archive stuff, fucking get on that. Yeah. What's the yeah. price on that, mate, again? Um, pay at least £14.43 <clears throat> for 30 items. Oh, bang. Um, and what you... And if you want to pay more, um, you help support the Hero Initiative with your purchase. Right. 
So how do you so, get all of them <laughs> on a hard drive? There's a yeah. thing there that you basically, the more you say, well, I want to pay 20 quid, and then you go, oh, now you get like 50 titles. You say, oh, I want right, to pay 25, okay. now you get 60 titles. Oh, there is, is, you can there click is a, to see what you get. Yeah, there I've got a, a load of the hardbacks, that and the Vampirella hardbacks I've got, okay. and they're nice, but it's nice to have it on your tablet, isn't it? When you're just, just to give you an idea <clears> of how a humble bundle necessarily works okay for those those of you out there who haven't experienced this yet before and basically what you get you pay for it and then you get pdfs of all these books like a download yeah. link and then you can just enjoy it so for this eerie comics collection there's a three item there's three choices a three item bundle pay at least 80 pence and you get these three eerie Ar- eerie archives volume one two and three wow. right for 80p there's a 12 item bundle which means for about eight pounds you get them. You get the eerie archives all the way up to twelve. So you get twelve <laughs> volumes for. Mate, that's each of them is about six, uh, seven issues, aren't they? At least. Yeah. Um, it's decent, and, man. And yeah. basically, if it's fourteen pounds forty-three, you get thirty items. So you get all of it, which is the eerie archives all the way up until volume twenty-seven. You also get eerie presents El Cid, eerie presents Hunter, and eerie oh, volume one, which must be the Hunter one you're is talking about. Man, the Hunter one... is um, born eerie. That's amazing. Comics yeah. that is. Eerie volume one must be the new ones you were talking about, Tony. So you get maybe, you yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It's crazy. But those OG, crazy, those OG eeries, man. This the talent yeah. is in them. Yeah, you name it, they're in them. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, I mean, awesome. I'm going, I'm going to be getting this bundle without without a shadow of a doubt, and it'll. Um, maybe we'll be... all, maybe we'll pick an eerie story each because oh, they're not a whole issue. Just a single. So some of them are only sort of yeah. six pages. Aren't they? Just pick a yeah. pick an eerie story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a great show. Um, okay, so without further ado. Um, I think it's time to recommend some comics to you lovely people. Yeah. Tony, as always, do you want to go first? <clears throat> yeah, so I've got two. Mine are both, weirdly, both um, monster books. Um, very different in tone, actually. But the first one is Monster Tag Team, issue one, by American Mythology Productions, um, which I got a Baltimore Comic Con at their stand. It was a company I was going to... I meant to look out. I went and wanted to find after reading The Beast of Bower boulevard a few weeks ago do you remember that one yeah, yeah, yeah. about the cyborg dinosaur thing uh and like and liking it no spoilers um um apologize i didn't write then um the name of the dude on the stall but he's i think he's one of the guys that runs the company and he was super chatty really good so i did that whole hi i'm from the acp we reviewed this book really enjoyed it what can you recommend and he he just sort of handed me a, he said these you'll like these and um monster tag team is the one that immediately jumped out to me um it's got and an homage cover for the Bronze Age Marvel books. So it's basically an homage of a um, Werewolf by Night or Tomb of Dracula comic. And it's even got the little... They, for a period in, in the Bronze Age, they weren't corner boxes. They were little circles with people in. Yeah. And it, just for a small amount of time. And it's got those on the cover as well. So this is a proper homage of two books that I loved. Writer is Constantine Paradias. Artist is Gerardo Gamboni. Uh, colorist Giovanni Caputo, letter Rob Jones. So I'm sure that the amazing international names there that I managed to about get wrong in pronunciation. At the end, we've got Rob Jones. Uh, main cover <laughs> is by Neil Vokes. The, the the variant cover is by Mark Spiraccio. And the homage one, which is the one that I mentioned, the one that I picked up, is Buzz Hassan and Ken Hayser. Um, it's um, he says it's an homage to the. Marvel horror books and the team up comics of the 70s and 80s. So, immediately on board that. 
the <clears throat> although seeing that the cover's cool i really like the cover the interiors are slightly different they're more like the sensibilities maybe of a dynamite vampirella title um they've got that kind of art than the art is has a manga influence as a lot of comics do these days but it lands them it, it spaces them out more in a u.s comic style um multi-panel style solid color work do you know how color is more of a i don't know if this is true but i see what you guys think but i kind of feel like color is more of a collaboration with the art than it used to be the art was colored in line work sometimes um yeah but these days it seems to see that the art does a bit more of the lifting often in backgrounds and wind and effects and stuff like that what do you think yeah i mean i've seen some a tendency to kind of like depending on the artist <clears throat> colorist team like the art will be quite uh minimalist and, and kind of clean and then it's yeah. kind of thrown to the the colorist to kind of add a lot of the detail and texturing and yeah, yeah. i think that's fair yeah, yeah. i mean it's just because technology's moved on there's not worse or better you know it's just yeah he's just different um the story happens in december 1972 <clears throat> and follows a female cia agent called jesse walker who may or may not be no spoilers be a werewolf um and they she pat this is this is such a cool scene and a cool idea she's parachuting into the snowy um, wastes of finland with a coffin strapped to her back um now while she's doing that there's um, a cult organization that are there who are How trying to. How did she parachute in? She parachuted in with a coffin strapped to her back. Yeah. Where was the parachute? Uh, in in the coffin. Just hanging out the back of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, but there's, there's more to it. <laughs> Hang on. There's more so, to it. I hate to. I hate to be. <laughs> All right, Mister Picky. <laughs> Fuck you. And picky your about a werewolf book. <laughs> I, I just. I just suddenly thought. Oh, how, how does that, that work? work? How does that work? <laughs> All right, the Big Bang Theory. The um, <laughs> um, so anyway, so there's this there's this organization, this sort of mystical terrorist organization, is trying to open a, a portal to Jotunheim and allow the creatures from that other realm into ours. So they're there to stop it. And there's this dude who's on the ground. He's got this sort of owl mask on. He's kind of a magician, and he's fucking up the wind. So it's making them. It's going to crash them. You know, the parachute's going to fail. So the, the another cool thing, the the coffin sprouts wings. How does it sprout wings? No, it does. Sprouts wings. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they sort of land on, on these massive bat wings. And stepping out of the coffin is Dracula. Um, oh, that and, makes sense. Yeah. So they fight their way through these. <laughs> makes sense. What world do we live in where that makes sense? But yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, so they fight their way through all these, these sort of drony, you know, masked characters. And, and you find that the CIA are using Dracula, but they've collared him with a collar that injects holy water into his neck if he tries to escape which is a bit weird because they make a point of him being a shapeshifter as well um there's a couple of nice touches around that but i thought well does that work really i don't know but anyway they do that because he can turn to mist can't he you know quite quickly as he does in this story um but they also are really realistic they'd be quite happy if he dies they're not really fussed about him so there's this big massive fight there's loads of action there's loads of story in this um and it's good and it's a one and done so what you're getting is, I know recently you read Marvel Team Up Collection, didn't you, V? Yeah. This is what they're doing, is they're doing one-and-done stories. So the first story is That's good. Dracula right. and a Werewolf. Cool, like that. you know. And the second issue um, from the advert in the back is the Boogeyman versus the Scarecrow. So they're going on to, they're moving on to that sort of thing. So I kind of like that idea. You know, I like that idea. That sounds on. really cool, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, American Mythology, as I said before, have done. They've started doing some books I'm really interested in. There's a Rawhead Rex book. There's, you know, all these sort of things coming out of them. Um, if you go to AmericanMythology.net, 
Uh, you can look them up, look at their books. You can go to at American Mytho on Twitter and you find out more of them there. I suspect there is a reasonable chance we'll find out more about their books next week. No spoilers. But there you go. That's my Ooh. first one. Dan, what's yours? Mine is a book we got sent in to uh, check out. So this is more kind of like goes on the side of a, a review as opposed to a recommend. Yeah. Uh, and it's Hexpore, Left Paw of the Devil, issue one. And it's got the subtitle, He's Deadly When They Arouse Him. And on the front cover, it's got <laughs> Hexpore <laughs> is her and a young ladies by uh, the arts by Trevor Mark Watt. And he's also the writer, artist. He does all the, all the stuff on it, uh, all the chores on it. And it's in shops November 22nd, 2023. So uh, next month. Oh, we got that quite early. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the story synopsis is this Colt Brass is Hexpore, master thief and Steve McQueen fanboy when aroused he transforms into a savage six foot black panther and robs from the rich and evil doing the arousing is his mastermind partner in crime the miss miss the witch miss blunderbuss so <laughs> like yeah so man what are you going to get on with this comic I, the, when I started reading it the, the thing that I could liken it to was like watching like a 1970s italian film okay, you know like you kind of like movie. yeah like you're watching something and you're like oh that's what that just happened and then like the story isn't quite so linear it, it's not like a beginning middle or end it kind of like drifts all over the place and suddenly you've got like a new concept being added in and it's like well this kind of alters everything about the story and it's just kind of like yeah it's in there it kind of it feels oh. like one of those stories that's kind of it just flows and it it just goes where it goes. I don't mind Yo, that, man. I'm not. No. I'm not I, I kind of like the different approaches you can take in comics. Yeah. I, I'm a fan of Giallo and stuff like that. I'm a fan of that sort of. We use Dreamlike too much on this show, don't we? But it's got there's that quality of it. I think sometimes, you know. Yeah, that's kind of very much the feeling of this book. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it's the kind of story I'd really go for, but I did read it and thought this is nuts and quite enjoyed reading it. And uh, there's some other sort of nods in it through the kind of more modern stuff have you ever heard of the youtube creator john john tron no he's no. like a character like him that pops up who's kind of like a kind of a bit of a man baby and uh the <laughs> cult brass kind of nicks his uh girlfriend and sleeps with her and then he kind of gets like yeah uh, there's <laughs> there's whole big sequences of sort of uh sexcapades you don't see anything too too rough and it basically details the kind of the crazy world that this guy kind of lives in which is just like stealing stuff having sex with this witch lady and just getting up to shenanigans uh it's very bizarre uh it's worth taking a look at that kind of sounds like your your uh, what's, what's the art like is it good art or? the art is kind of <clears throat> it sometimes feels like uh it's drawn from life with uh, people's faces and stuff it's quite heavy inked uh more of a kind of a retro style it's okay. it looks the, the cover when you showed us it looked a bit like maybe a an old movie poster or a pulp book or something like that. Yeah. yeah, it kind of it kind of feels like the way the artwork is kind of a bit pulpy. Uh, it's not. It's quite traditional in some aspects. Right. I'm trying to think who I could liken it to, but it, it feels very small press, but very kind of uh, the artist know what he's kind of doing in some of these pages. But it's it's a real odd one. I I, I would feel hard pressed to sort of say to someone go recommend that or go go check that out because you might really like it and then you might really hate it depending on your right. proclivities. Do you know what I mean? 
Well, maybe off your description there, people can decide, can't they? Yeah, I point, you know, tr- yeah. try and take what I've, I've I've said there and try and kind of make you very very through. I mean, if you take a look at the cover and say, uh, does that appeal? Yeah, the cover reminded me of, of a dynamite book. A bit. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's what where or maybe a xenoscope book, maybe something like that. Yeah. Well, we we've got this sitting in our uh, review thing, so you guys can go. Yeah, yeah. You guys can go check it out after the after the the show. Cool. Uh, and that's why for Blood Moon Comics it is in preview. So if you want to order that for your local shop, I think that's uh, doable. Nice. So, uh, thanks. Thanks for sending that in. Yeah, a nice one. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's uh, me. My uh, my pick this week um, is the next book on my fifty-two adventure yes you're doing 52 of these you never told me that I yeah that, yeah when i when i was doing so by it, the like... end of the year if there's a good hit rate on this you'd probably be reading what 40 ongoings or, like <laughs> or, <laughs> or i've bought a lot of collections depending on the book <laughs> yeah um yeah. yes um every week for a um for a year it, dc had a 52 so i thought i'd try a different thing um i am trying out Issue ones, you know, if you listen to this, you know I love trying out a new book, a new story, see if I can discover a new mini series or creator or whatever that's going to turn my head. So I thought I'd I turn purposely it into... bought this today because you, you you're going to recommend it, so I, yes. I bought a copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I bought issue one. So naturally, when the it's interesting, I, I was thinking about this as I was sort of browsing the digital shelf. Um, it. Your, your brain takes on a completely different aspect because instead of looking you know i'm scrolling past so many books like yeah yeah i'm looking for number ones it's almost like a going That's through right. a back issue bin it's almost like finding that right where's the number ones where's the number ones um but without like the some people just collect number ones don't they yeah it was a thing yeah. for a while yeah yeah, yeah. Now it's easier to be there. Yeah, but um, yeah, but my challenge is to find number ones that I can then recommend to you, lovely people, as well. So I found one from AWA Comics, and it is issue one of a book called Rumpus Room. <laughs> now this has got this has got a a, a feel of that um, the dude who did vinyl and all that sort of thing in okay. a way, yeah, hasn't yes. it to me? Which I thought yes. was the reason you grabbed it. You and once you get about ten pages in, I thought, oh, I know why Vince has got this now. Yeah. <laughs> It is um, so. Creators first, written by Mark Russell, illustrated by Ramon Rosanas. Apologies if I'm going to murder these. Coloured by Eve Svorsina, lettered by Andwell Design, cover by Tony Harris. There are variant covers as well, which nice. say um, Harris. Of course, it is. Yeah, yeah. I did notice that, and we'll we'll get back to the, we'll we'll yeah. come back around yeah, to yeah. the cover. Um. There were variant covers, um, one of which involved uh, Michael and Laura Allred as well. Um, oh, nice. And, and Carrie Andrews. And oh, there's like one stuff. by Mark Russell. And there's uh, Tony Tony Fleece and Winter Lewis did a, <laughs> a retailer exclusive. Um, the one that uh, Tony Tony who photobombed Tony recently. <laughs> yeah, um, he yeah, he photobombed yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but what is Rumpus Room with a name like that? Well... It is uh, a dark satire, which is the best way to put it. Um, Meet Bob Shrunk, (laughs) technocrat billionaire, collector of bad art and victim of a hideous skin condition that can only be treated with a highly illicit and definitely not FDA-approved face cream that must be harvested from human beings. Now, (laughs) are they spoiling something there? Because is that implicitly said in this comic? Yes. 
It is. I'm, did I miss that? I read it on the yeah, time. Toward, so to, to, towards, towards the end. Towards the end. Right, okay. Right, right, right. Um, Bob isn't unfair, though. He's happy to let his guests select who will be next to be sent from the rumpus room to their doom. That's quite, a, that's quite a sentence. There's just one thing Bob doesn't know. One of his current guests is an undercover cop and she's carrying a concealed gun. Now, there was, I mean, that was a slightly longer synopsis. I was thinking about this synopsis when, obviously, Dan was talking at the beginning. Um, that, w- that was just about the right amount, though. And I think that because of the way that synopsis ended, that was a perfect sort of like, oh, that sounds quite interesting. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That yeah, I've spotted... You, you posted this on, on our WhatsApp, and I've just spotted the bit where it's 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 revealed. Yeah. And it doesn't happen until quite late on in the book, no, is it, that? No. Yeah, no, yeah. No. And what this book is... You know, um, this... I thoroughly enjoyed this. This is a great... This is one of five as well. Right. Um, immediately, I'm going to say that I'm going to be continuing with issue two. And I'm I'm in the story, especially the way this issue sort of wrapped up as well. Um, first things right out of the gate, I absolutely love the art of this book as well. Um, Very clean, isn't Ramon it? is. Um, I mean, Tony, I know you bought the the printed copy, but um, I I bought it digitally, and it's so the art team, whether it be like the the clean lines, the the colours really nice as well. This is. When you have a story like this, I don't know why I've always got in the back of my mind a sort of soylent green, like you know, where's this going to go? That kind of that is that sort of satire. Yeah. Um, There's but, a couple of um, they play with you a bit because the statues I thought were important in this. Uh, so uh, he collects these weird statues <clears throat> in the garden, which are just weird, and I the, thought, oh, yeah, the, the credit yeah. page immediately. I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> In yeah. my life, that was a real, as well as it being like the the credit. It, it's for, for me, it's one of the best credit pages. Like, and I think it's is it a double page spread, Tony? Or is it one? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of the best examples that I've ever seen because you cannot not look at that image. That they, they I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything for you because I think you've got to see it for yourself because it was certainly a surprise to me. Um, but because you're lingering on that page. You then sort of look to the bottom, and you're look, you're reading the credits. Something that would be probably glossed over a little bit. Um, sometimes, you know, you just skip past these things, don't you? Um, so that was but the nature of the nature of that statue. Immediately, thought, oh, that's what they're doing with these people. Yeah, you see what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I send you a picture then. The the main yeah, yeah the main character. Uh, well, I say the main character. Uh, Bob shrunk immediately. It lays him out to be. Um, a piece of shit, but a believable piece of shit. It doesn't go. It doesn't go too far into the realm of like, absolutely. You know, mwahaha, I'm going to chew all the scenery. But it's the things. It's all in the dialogue because it, the the book starts, and uh, he's just he's just talking on the phone. Um, and he he's got this mansion uh, and a, and the yes. main the main car the car the main character the protagonist is driving up to the house at that that point. Beautiful shot. Um, and but you, over those over those sort of five to ten pages, you're spending and and shrunk is very much in the foreground of the conversation, and the dialogue is it's so easy to read. It was so quick to read. I was immediately I was aware of who characters were. What the, you know, even though from the synopsis we know who the protagonist is, um, which 
I read the synopsis first, so if I'd gone in completely blind, I probably still would have got a sense of it. But um, yeah, I didn't read it. I didn't read the synopsis and yeah. I'd forgotten what you said. And I just thought because it's a nice little play between the two of them in the kitchen, yeah. isn't there? The have you yeah. poisoned this coffee and stuff? And it it's a nice little to and fro. I like Mark Russell's writing. I think he's a good writer. Yeah, yeah. He what has he written before? Well, I, I, I haven't. He did yet. that Snagglepuss book that I talked about. Ah, of course, yeah. You yeah, said yeah, which yeah. is yeah, and and I think that's the best way to put it, Tony. He gets people. This, this is. Yeah. This is dialogue I can imagine people saying. Um, yeah, with the right, well written, then, yeah, yeah, but yeah. without, but it's still got that sort of comic book element. It's still got like a, a flavour to it. It's not, you know, this isn't just two people in a coffee shop. Um, like yeah. there's there's one particular moment. Um, <laughs> like he he invites this woman in who's looking for her missing sister for a coffee, and they just sat down. Um, and he, he says, "Do you remember seeing her at the office?" He's like, "No." Well, could you ask your accounting department when he last report when she last reported for work? I could, but that sounds tedious. And I have a lot to do today. <laughs> I have a lot to do today. Do you have any idea how much wealth I add to the global economy while I'm on the clock? Four hundred eighty-two grand per minute. Your coffee has already cost the planet just north of a million dollars. So congratulations. Uh, <laughs> And it's that final shot is like of like the main character sort of looking at their coffee cup like what the fuck, yeah. But that immediately sort of builds in, and they lay he lays it on afterwards in the writing. Um, just the absolute easily loathability of a billionaire who thinks they're above clearly thinks they're above every everything, um, and how this is going to play out. You know, I, the way it starts immediately, you want this. You've you've got your big bad, and you want them to get their comeuppance. But I think there's going to be some very interesting things done with the story. And furries, yeah. Oh yeah, because like his uh, the guards that take people away to the rumpus room are dressed up. (laughs) One of them is dressed up as a horse, and the other one's dressed up as a strange pink bear. Is it a pig? pig? Oh no, it's a bear on the cover, isn't it? it. Yeah, I think think it's a pig on this one. Yeah, yeah. So the security guards, or you know, whoever's working for him, they're all dressed in these these sort of like fucking costumes which is like this is random which added to the you know like you said you know um, he's a billionaire can do what he likes yeah vinyl yeah. it, but it's also it's got that vinyl sort of plastic kind of vibe yeah that's, that's why I weird. thought you liked it yeah yeah. yeah yeah there's a twisted sex thing there somewhere yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, but then the tail end of the issue drops you into these are the people that are in that have been kept prisoner um, and Immediately, you can see that this is a book that's that's going into the sort of realms of. Um, if I'm going to say, when you think of like great zombie fiction or like you know the, the George Romero films and stuff, it's not always about the zombies; it's about the choices that people make. Yeah, there's the motivations between these people who are locked up, and they're not always good. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, certainly, because someone's locked up with you doesn't mean they're going to help you. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, and. What I liked about this, um, there's a letter. Well, there's a sort of a, there's a prose page at the end called "The Great Escape," which is written by Mark Russell, um, which talks about like the world and, um, but the, also the motivations for for this book. You know, the one of those classic. Thanks for buying this book. Here's you know, here's where I'm going to go with it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, for instance, he says in this letter, somehow we've subliminated the idea that our proper role in life is to someday be crushed into a top-notch skin cream for some billionaire. Um, <laughs> that all the real decisions are probably made by people like Bob Shrunk, and our power is limited to deciding on the ne- next person to be crushed for his benefit. And but then he says, 
all of which is thoroughly depressing, I know. But that's not all Rumpus Room is about. And assuming I haven't scared you away already, <laughs> I hope you'll read long enough to find that it's also a story of great hope and resilience about how we can reclaim power over our own lives, but how the price mm. of that power is remembering that there is a world outside the Rumpus Room, that we are by nature not prisoners, and making the choice, however painful it may be, to escape. So... That also is like... we're not all destined to be cream for someone's face. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Some people want to be. Um, on occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Given the right circumstances, yeah. you know. So there's a lot going on with this book. But if you look at it on the baseline, it's just enjoyable comics. That I, I feel like there's gonna be there is gonna be satire, there's gonna be some really sharp dialogue. As you say, Tony, you know, I remember you talking about that Snaggle Puss book. Yeah, very clever man. Love yeah. that book. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot. So I know, and from just this issue, I know I'm going to be absolutely lapping up the rest of the series. Um, but as well as that, top-notch art team. Absolutely I wanted to wait. You were going to mention the cover as well, Bob. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the, the, yeah. when you showed me the cover, that kind of belies the, 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 the nature of the artwork inside. It doesn't look anything yeah. like it. Yes. The only, yeah, I would say the only issue that I have with this issue is the cover. Now, that's not to say... It's not, not a great badly pe- drawn cover. It's, it's not. Works, it's yeah, a absolutely. cover by Tony Harris. Um, whatever you think about him, but like, like the art is is great. The way it's put together. Yeah, you can see it's got that ex machina feel that you know the yeah. covers he was doing for ex machina. Yeah, yeah, yeah very it. much. Yeah, yeah. You've got that sort of interesting collar. You know, there's there's some retro sort of design elements in there. Um, however. Um, when you see it, and it probably looks, it probably looks better as a, a black and white piece of art as well. Um, but there's almost too much going on. There's a couple of things I yeah. don't like about it. I think it doesn't work as a cover, which that sounds crazy. I know. Um, it works as a print, for example. Yeah, yeah, you know, like something you can look at for a long time. But catching your, I held it up to you two guys, didn't I? And Dan and Cindy, it doesn't work from a distance. No, I. Yeah. It's one of the things. I. One of the reasons I found this is because I was looking for a number one. Yeah. And I, I clicked I clicked on the thumbnail and read more. And by reading more, sold me on it. Do you know what gotcha. I mean? It was I, mean very I, much... I went in to buy this and I stared at the shelves at Gosh yeah. for ages it until get... I realised it was right in front of me. I think you com- struggled, yeah. as you just illustrated there, struggled to jump out of a shelf. Now, yeah. um, that I... doesn't make it a bad illustration. This may no. be not as good it... as a cover illustration. Exactly. Yeah. And I know you. there's a different cover. There's, there's another cover for issue two that tony showed me just beforehand because all of this isn't in the digital stuff the printed copy has yeah, the adverts aren't yeah. in the digital aren't they? yeah yeah no yeah. um but for me that second cover isn't very strong either and I, because i look at it thinking if it's on that shelf if it's on yeah. that page being browsed through sometimes deep reds and blacks and um you know just you've got to think about the color and the way it, where it pops and the rumpus room sort of title i love saying that word that that yeah. time. but but the way the way the design is at the top it's almost it's too much sort of going on and the i like the retro feel to the to the logo because it feels like something out of a 50s uh, a 40s 50s animated show or like one of those you know i love lucy kind of shows that's what that yes, sort of font yeah, yeah. is but it doesn't stand out it almost like it's it's just there it's got like that kids tv show horror but horror yeah. kind of element you should have mm. if it was yeah. me i was thinking about this if it was me i would have the main character the millionaire as he is now in his pants holding that cream up but i would have a single image of him and a single image of one of the furries yeah 
yeah. and rumpus room went over the top yeah, because that's yeah. all you need in this you and, know? and because we see it on the cover there him this this figure holding a, a jar that says bob's cream which is enough that's all you, you know <laughs> just seeing that on the cover i mean something like that i imagine you know you get one of the um art, the artist and design team from ice cream man on a book yeah. like this fucking forget about it because they do yeah. you know it, that would have just be just a picture of that jar do you know what I mean? Or something like that. Or maybe the yeah. jar with, I don't know, a, f- a fingernail in the cream. Or it's just something like that that makes it... Makes I'd, I'd think, have that jar fuck? with one of the furries with their hand in it. Or yeah. something like that. You yeah. Know. yeah. Just yeah. a single striking image you can see yeah. from across a shop on a yeah. shelf. Because it, it, the cover currently makes it look more hallucinogenic than the book is. Yeah. The book may, okay. go, the, the book may go into crazy places. But the, the book... The brilliant book that I read isn't necessarily that cover that I that I can see in front of me now. Yeah. Um. But you know, it's just it's, it's just, good. It's, it's good. It's not bad. It's it's a it's a good um eight nine out of ten for me in my little yeah. book of things that I write up. You That's know, a, I really yeah. enjoy it. Great score. That's yeah. Yeah. Great. For for the yeah. It is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, that like the creative team have just absolutely smashed it with this. It's a great. It's a great combination. All it's a book about people. All of the people look individuals. They they yeah. they immediately they've all got characters, um, and they're all written well. Um, and there's a panel right at the back. Just one last thing about the art. Um, just one bit of behind the scenes kind of thing, which made me suddenly it sort of changed the way I thought about it a little bit. Uh, this is from the artist Ramon Rosanas. He and it's got a panel sort of him sketching the car driving up to the mansion and the finished panel, which is always nice when you see it before and after. Mm. And he said, my intention in designing this panel, uh, different from the script, was to give it a feel like a Hitchcock movie. Okay. And when I heard the Hitchcock movie, I thought, <laughs> oh, just imagine if Hitchcock did like a real dark, twisted sort of sci-fi kind of story. I was like, oh, that maybe it's going to be interesting reading the second issue with that in my mind. I mean, yeah. that's, that's not what they're going for, but now I've got that in my head. It's yeah. like, oh. Be interesting. I would so, say as well, this is a comic you need to order from your comic shop because it's not they don't nec- not every comic shop necessarily has AWA books. Yeah, AWA, okay, yeah. Um, who have done they've done quite a bit. We've mentioned them a, a couple yeah, of times on the on the show, um, but definitely look for it. Rampus Room number one from AWA Comics. Um, high recommendation, <laughs> and it's it's great that um, yeah, my fifty two ones. I'm making a little um, not a spreadsheet, but I'm making a little page as well that um. I'm putting loads of covers on, so it's going to be interesting. Oh, nice. the back of that. Oh, nice. That sounds great. Day. So there you go. That's my one. Tony, it feels like I was talking See? for like two days then. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a long episode, Baby Cakes. Yeah. yeah. But I'll do yeah. this one quickly. So um, it's a horror show, number two, The Date by Jake Jade, pardon me, Jade Louder, who's a dude I met at the Baltimore Comic Con. Uh, he does a comic co- comic company called Lesser Known Comics. It's another horror theme one um, that I picked up there. It's so. This is what it is. There's a werewolf in a in a, a sort of you know. It's one of those leather jackets like you get in the Wanderers or Happy Days or something with his collar turned up, and um, he's filling up his hot rod um, car with petrol. It, the, it's like one of those hot rods that you get in the fifties in America, or maybe the sort of car that um, you'd see in Wacky Races, something like that. Right. It's all in black, all in black and white art. This um, and whilst at the pump, he's also chewing on a human forearm while he's sitting there. Um, he becomes aware do. that there's yeah he becomes aware that there's three local dudes who are hassling a girl, um, and like all rebels who are strangers in a town, he intervenes and like all good werewolves, he takes them into an alleyway and rips their legs off. 
and the girl is sort of standing there watching silently mouth open you know but she's she's kind of impressed with what's going on she she's sort of the victim but we think at the time but she's kind of impressed with him and um he says would you want to go and see some rock and roll so she goes all right and so they go to this club to see a rock and roll band but what do you know the werewolf is in fact the lead singer so he gets up (laughs) on the stage and he's howling into the mic um and the drummer's a wendingo um and the werewolf is like cool as shit and he walks off stage having finished and the crowd are going nuts in one of those sort of typical American roadhouse type bars, you know? Yeah. And he takes his little takes a go, says, Well, let's go and see a movie. So he takes her to a drive in at the drive in cinema. And while they're sitting there watching the film, there's some people talking. And the woman turns, this girl turns and screams at somebody out the window, and you realise that she might also be a demon because her face goes all sort of demonic and she's telling these people would keep the noise down. And and it goes on from there, really. And it's nice. It's just a fun, well produced, little bit different. Nice scratchy black and white art, very readable, with a nice bit of energy to it. Um, it's kind of a, it's very different from the last werewolf book I mentioned. Uh, it's kind of like a werewolf book by way of something like Love and Rockets. It's got that sort of indie feel to it, but it obviously is about a werewolf. Um, add into that some sort of paranormal horror, which we get with the girl. And there's a twist at the end, which I won't spoil, which is nice, works well. Um, and there's also like a, a, an epilogue afterwards where something happens. You think, oh, this is going to continue. This character is going to continue. Um, there's a say, there's a touch of the Wanderers, which I rewatched the other day. Have you guys ever seen that movie? God, yeah. So that you have oh, seen years ago. Times, that years ago. Don't yeah. fight with the baldies. Yeah. <laughs> that's a weird, dark movie. That is. That's like the dark side of Saturday Night Fever for me. That's a is strange it, one. I always saw that one like that and uh, Warriors. They're not kind yeah. of, they've kind of, takes on the similar kind of thing but not very different yeah it's an interesting yeah. one warriors i think you can wonder i think you can watch it for free online, yeah i think it's on youtube yeah yeah, yeah it's on youtube it, yeah. Oh, yeah 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 um the so one of the reasons i also like jade louder is that i walked to i'd i'd um strotty will will agree with me here i'd had some hard sells walking around we'd had the bloke we talked about last week we had the lady trying to sell me um, a comic about um, a vigilante who goes around killing people who abuse animals who immediately confess to not being a vegetarian. You know, it's just like there was just <laughs> too much of a hard sell going on at this at occasions in this convention. And I think Cliff, um, Strotty was in line with for Don Rosa and, and Cliff was getting some art done. And I thought, I'm just going to wander around the, the small press and this dude was just down there. And I said, oh, mate, you're right. He said, yeah. And I said, what, what have you got? What can you recommend? And he said, well, this one. What about this one? And he and I had a look at it. I thought, yeah, I'll have that. And it was just like this nice sort of non-hard sell moment that was just in a little oasis of getting pummeled a bit by people trying to sell you their yeah. comic. <laughs> you know, you know, is when we walk down aisles, we try not to make yeah. eye contact with certain people. Do they? Go, ah, they're like this as you walk past. <laughs> um, yeah, and he seemed like a good dude. So go to Jade Louder L O W D E R dot com. Instagram is at Jade Louder, and on Twitter you can find Lesser L E W S E R Lesser K Comics you find it but uh yeah it's just nice fun indie nice bit of character about it comic it's a horror show the date there you go it's nice my second one, guys. nice we just want just nice enjoyable comics don't we we just want yeah, to enjoy comics yeah, yeah and yeah. uh you know that's why we um create this show that's why we talk to the people that create these comics that we enjoy and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode um we certainly had a lot of fun i mean I mean, it's yeah. a few days after the interview, but we're still, we're still buzzing. buzzing. Yeah. yeah, it's still high. Uh, and we're excited about reading and making comics, which I is... We do mention this, uh, Big Game Issue 3. I know oh. we said we weren't going to talk about it, but yeah. 
Yeah. We were up at fucking <laughs> yeah, silly that's o'clock. A, that was hilarious because me and people don't know, but me and Dan get up super early and uh, we, we occasionally will swap messages and they never get read by V until maybe an hour or two later. Yeah. And so we're going on, la, 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 loving this, loving this, loving this. The next thing, ping, Vince is up. Yeah. I've read it too. Like, yeah. you must have got up early just to read it yeah. yeah 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 i got up and i thought right fuck this um <laughs> and the end of that issue i was like the fuck I, <laughs> yeah and, and then uh i went online and immediately uh, harassed mark miller and, and blamed him for it yeah. um, <laughs> no but we're, we're, you you people listening if you listen to this show over the past like couple of months you know that we're we're absolutely loving this book so we'll probably do a little bit of a talk about it when it's all 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 said and done because right now we're just gonna be the sports fans talking about the literally the big game every time it comes out yeah so i will will say this it's brought back new comic book day excitement for me which has been missing for a couple of months yeah 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 Yeah. um so which is great and enjoyable comics and we hope you enjoy your comics and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode and if there's anything you want us to discuss or or maybe there's some more processes that i mean Yes, we have talked about uh, a lot about process over the years of making this mm. show about making comics, but as we always say, the world of uh, comics publishing is changing all the time, and uh, maybe you want to hear us discuss about what digital making comics digitally is like now. If there's anything mm. new you want us to talk about, or anything at all you want us to discuss, there's several different ways you can get in touch with us. You can email us awesomecomicspod at gmail dot com. Um, please, if you want to um, send us comics um, for a review and and a look at, uh, you can get in touch with us as well about that. Um, yeah, I think it's the pinned tweet on our uh, yeah. Twitter, yeah. Twitter account. Or yeah. if you've got a crowdfunding up, you want it, you want a shout out, no. give us a shout yeah. as well. We do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, we'll always throw them in the shout outs. And uh, whether you um, wherever you are on social media, follow us at the Awesome Pod. You can join the Slack. Uh, channel that we've got well the group that we've got it's a wonderful community of people on there um we just set it up and then all the brilliant people joined and made it an amazing place to be mm. um, if you're on it don't forget to get on the memes channel it's gold <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but for those who don't know i mean slack is just one of those sort of messaging apps you know those kind of things but there's different groups there's different sort of channels there you join the group you get in touch with us we'll add you to the community and then it's but it's genuine, nice di- and positive comics mm. discussion. We don't put up with yeah. any nonsense or, or bullshit, and we don't have to worry about it because the community there is just great and it supportive. Really isn't. There's yeah. no, you like, don't need to fucking do attacks or anything yeah. like that. No. There. No. No. There's no. been virtually no no moderation because you don't need to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can if you want to talk about making your comic, jump on there. If you want to just talk about mm. art, jump on there. If you want, mm. to, you know, if you're looking to sell some of your old books, jump on there. There's so much. Um, on there you, you need to check out as well as uh, you can keep the, the discussion of this particular episode going on there as well so yeah. join the group and find out more there and thank you very much for listening to this week's episode whether it was on the website awesomecomics.podbean.com or on the Pod, Podbean app or perhaps you listen on Apple Podcasts if you did uh, leave a nice review, subscribe <laughs> all that good stuff, algorithms and I don't know how it works but, you know. <laughs> um, but we're also on the other networks like Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Podnose Podknife, what other networks are we on Tony? We're on the pod network. It's called Nobody Ever Lay in Their Deathbed Wishing They Tweeted More. I just I just left a pause there so that we could all think about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then we're going to tweet about it. Yeah. Uh, Tony, <laughs> said, Tony said something very profound tonight. Hashtag profound. 
When did I say that? Earlier. (laughs) 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 Oh dear. Where can people find us online, etc.? Tony. Uh, Never on anything.com. I read quite an interesting one about squinkies this week. A much underused phrase that for about an hour I thought was a wind-up. We we think may have been some kind of uh, slang for comics in the 40s and 50s. So go look at that. Um, Otherwise, you can uh, find me at neveronanything.com. Nice. Dan? Uh, You can find me on, I was going to say Twitter there, but no one's ever fucking using Twitter. Uh, Vanguard issue 21 completed this week. I know I've I've upset some people that lots of characters have died. And you're like, where the fuck's this going? Trust me. Last not. Page, mate. That last yeah. page is fucking brilliant. Cheers, dude. Dudes. Um, <laughs> but I, I've said something nice about him, Tony. How do I count out? Nice. Pull back. Pull back. Uh, yeah. But I hate uh, your yeah, face. Trust me. It's, it's all going to work out. I've got another two issues <laughs> planned. And that's going to be wow. God over. Done. Wow. But look. Don't worry about it, folks. He's gonna be still going to be here for five years. <laughs> the yeah. amount of work that that bloke puts into the yeah. fucking comic. It's just, oh. Oh, well, dear. that one's fucking 40-something-odd pages long. 44 pages. They're supposed to, yeah, they're supposed they to be done by Christmas, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Christmas, it's comic, so it's been 21 pages or so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Thanks for all you re- guys reading it, retweeting it, and whatever. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, stuff, man. Brilliant stuff. You can find me on social media at Jester Diablo. Thank you all very much for checking out this week's episode. Be you mm. uh, regular listeners, old listeners, new listeners, all are welcome. And uh, yeah, for the next few weeks, we've got even more great comics to talk about and some interesting and exciting stuff to talk about. Um, we're about to start, we're going to jump on the ghost train and get into Spooky Town. No, that was a bit cheesy, wasn't it? Ah, fuck, no, no, that's know, fine. no, 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 no. I've already. It's, it's all right. I've We're already got a, next one after horror. Yeah, and I've already got a jumper that I bought that's got. Oh no! Yeah, I've seen that. That's nice. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I only went in for laundry detergent. Anyway, I um, fucking went, only went in for lube. <laughs> I went through Sainsbury's. I've, I've said this to Virginia, but like they got they got like the selection boxes and all the fucking tubs of sweets for Christmas. So that mate, get Christmas, September, you get cunts. Christmas in the bin. <laughs> Let, oh, let's no, talk about. Let's talk about. <laughs> Let's talk about horror first. Never yes. Mind, never mind that fat bastard coming down a chimney. We want, <laughs> we want monsters and we want pumpkins. And uh, sorry, I started. I got a bit lightheaded. We want earrings. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to purchase that right after the show. We're going to do yeah. It. We're going to do that, and then we're going to sit round and read them all. Uh, no, mm. we're not going. We won't be able to do that by the, by next week. But while we're doing that, you out there should uh, have a brilliant week. If you're making yeah. comics, we hope you really enjoy it. If you're reading com- comics, we hope you're enjoying that as well and telling other people about the comics that you enjoy. That's kind of why we're here as well. And while you're doing all that, oh, I've forgotten what else they're supposed to do, guys. Stay, Stay awesome. awesome. Couldn't say it fair of myself. See ya. Bye. See you later. Why did I say that? See you later.
We're such what? fucking professionals yeah. at this point, aren't we? <laughs> I went all fucking proper presenter. Yeah, it's pro, man. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know those girls that work online, these call them can girls. Oh, yeah. E girls. Yeah. They start calling them eye ladies, don't they? Why? Oh, no. Really? Uh, ladies nuts in your face. I'm Fuck. suspicious of you all the time. Fucking hell. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> 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 you tried to say something on the WhatsApp this week, and even that I was like, right, I'm not having it. I'm not having no, it. It wasn't it even anything to do no. with anything. <laughs> Dan, what does it mean that you're just so untrustworthy these days with everything you say? Everything you say. So where's this, where's this going? We we always feel like we're being catfished into some sort of D's nuts trap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it all the time. Cartel, even the yeah. name of your big cartel, I suspect, is being a D's nuts trap. <laughs> 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 